Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, I'll tell you, I'm doing better than yesterday, but uh, I'm still pretty sluggish today. So the fever's almost gone. You know, so I had a fever of 101 yesterday and after the show. So I, I don't know how I got through the show. I, actually, I think I got sicker after the show. So I'm just dealing with a bug, um, but uh, I feel better. Our voice is a little stronger, but not much. And today I'm just going to sleep again today. Just take today off, do nothing. Uh, I'll get all my Rumble stuff together probably starting Wednesday. And we have a possible big video I'll be doing Thursday. And, of course, things just keep going crazy as they do. So that's what's happening now. Uh, i got Brianna on the line already, which is great. So let me get to her because I don't want to talk today. I don't feel good. <laughs> I'll explain all that to Brianna uh, as we go. So let me quickly pull up the government inquiry theme here. And away we go. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Well, you know you're popular, Brianna, because Pianchi is already tuned in. He's already on live chat listening to you, so uh, that's a pretty good sign. How are you doing today? Um, <clears throat> I'm doing good. <laughs> you sound like I do. What? Did you get yes, sick too? What's going on? Uh, I think it's just allergies. Um, oh, okay. Um, are you gonna be okay today? <laughs> I think so. Okay. I good. have a new um, listening system, so are you able to hear me all right? Except for the fact that I sound like a monster. <laughs> well, I don't sound much better. Uh, this is this is this will be the Action Radio sick day. <laughs> I'm gonna retitle the show. Because I got, uh, this, there's a couple things I had to do this weekend. One, which kept me awake all Saturday night, and the other, which uh, had me working, you know, like 10 hours straight on Sunday. I just got exhausted. And I knew my immune system was down. I could feel myself getting sick. And I just knew it was going to be, it was going to hit. Was like, but there's nothing I can do about it. I had certain things I had to do. And so uh, they all got accomplished. Everything got accomplished that was supposed to. But I'm just paying the price for it now. But, because uh, usually I take pretty good care of myself. And so this is a very unusual circumstance. But allergies, you can't help those. They're, they're just there. They're just out there. It's just, you know, you know, I don't care how you sound. Listen, today, <laughs> it's not like I can claim that I sound great. So we'll just we'll do what we normally do. Um, and there's something about the show, too. I've noticed people say, you, you, they talk about us not editing. So you don't edit? No, I don't. Well, if you sound like, you know, garbage, well, then, then we sound like garbage. Our voices, we are, we're real people. We do real things. And sometimes, you know, allergies and stuff is a problem. Um do you do the things like local honey or, or any of the, the natural preventives for allergies? Do you know about that stuff? Um, no, not particularly, but I don't take anything. Yeah, well, that's good. That's that's the first thing. It's like when uh, when someone gets sick, the first thing they say is, oh, what are you taking for it? 
uh, sleep. <laughs> I slept from uh, basically after the show yesterday until this morning. Uh, and just uh, with uh, occasional breaks. To, other than that, yeah, I just took care of them. Just, you know, and I every, checked my temperature every three or four hours, and it just kept dropping. It's like, oh, this is good. Okay, I'm going to keep doing this. This is working. So anyway, let's talk about the yeah, good I mean, stuff. it just um, passes. Yeah, it mm-hmm. passes after a couple of days. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody's going to say, oh, is it COVID? No, it's not COVID. How do you know? Because I remember <laughs> when I had COVID. I was coughing like crazy. I couldn't lie down. Uh, and I sounded like hell on the show. And this is this, and I got over this in basically one day. Today is like a recovery day. I'm at the point now where I'm angry because I want to do stuff, but I don't quite have the energy yet. But I'm, but I'm, I'm definitely recovering, so it's, it's kind of weird. All right, let's talk about government inquiry stuff. Let's uh, let's let's see what's going on. I've got a huge issue in the third hour, which I want to talk about. But first, let me check in with you and see what's on your mind. What you've been uh, what you've been thinking about? All right. So this is kind of similar to what I started last week, but we didn't really get much to it. Um, okay. It's called the Secret Covenant, and it's the oh. same problem. Where at first it was said that it was written and put out by um, Johnny Rockefeller, but mm-hmm. supposedly there's something where nobody can actually figure out where it came from or who wrote it. Hmm, that's interesting. So we don't know exactly where this came from, but we do know that it was on this. Um, and, and this is where it gets a little frustrating for me. So it says that it came through on an email to something called bankindex.com. Bank and which? I cannot. Bank, bank and index. Bank index. Okay. Huh. Yeah, so if you can try and pull this website up because I cannot find it anywhere. And then I even, so there's something called the Wayback Machine Internet Archives, I guess. Yes. And whenever yes. you go to the document. I still cannot find it. It'll say that it exists. It'll have different options, but there's no way to access. When you go in, there's nothing there. And now I've tried Google. There's no way to access this website. So I don't know if I'm just doing it wrong or maybe it's just my Well, let's find out. Let's put it at bankindex.com and see what comes up. See, a lot of times the Internet's so censored now, you can't find anything. But do you know where the, where the expression, the Wayback Machine, came from? I'll give you a little trivia. You probably don't no, know. No, I don't. Did you ever see Rocky and Bullwinkle? Did you ever get reruns of the cartoons? No. There was a um, there was a, a dog that was like like the beagle, like Snoopy and Peanuts, who was the professor, and Sherman was this little boy. And uh, Peabody would say, Sherman, set the way back for Spain, play for the year 1542. Let's go see what, uh, you know, Marco uh, somebody, <laughs> you know, was doing. And they go through history. And, but they actually had a Wayback Machine. It was a, a thing that was, it was like a time machine. It would send you back in history, and they'd go back and have these great adventures, and then they'd come back forward again. Um, nothing's coming up under bankindex.com. That's interesting. It's just kind of the, the little blue line. It's about an inch across, and it's just holding steady. It ain't going anywhere. So what don't? Because now I'm curious. Like, what don't they want me to know? You know me. As soon as I can't find out something, I'm curious. Bank index. Let's just put bank index in and see what that without the dot com. Bank index is two separate words. Let's see what that does. Uh, Nasdaq bank index. Da, 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 Dow Jones bank index. Okay, now that's not what we want. KBW Bank Index. I don't know what that is. But this is, an, what, what, what is this bank index? What is a .com? What is that actually? What are you so trying to find supposedly, out? Yeah, mm-hmm. Supposedly, it's some kind of site that was used for like financial information. Uh-huh. But I guess a lot of people would send information to you. I think there was... Um, 
Because it seems very generic. It doesn't seem, oh, here we go. The Secret Covenant. Jabba, Jabba, question everything. <laughs> Jabba, Jabba.com. The Secret Covenant was leaked out of the website bankindex.com on June 21st, 2002. Look what I found. You want to hear more? Yeah, that's what I found, too. Um, okay. It says it was a financial commentary website that also right. hosted a number of conspiratorial writings that were sent to them by readers. And I guess like, one of them was a secret covenant that was sent through an anonymous email. I guess. The secret covenant. Okay. It sounds very QAnon-ish. Cause now, you know, I draw a line between what I consider, you know, real conspiracies, like the election was stolen, which we know it was. And, and uh, I hate to say Josie's name because she's done in the next hour. But uh, a lot of conspiracies that, uh, you know, we can become sovereign citizens and not pay taxes and all our lawyers are registered in England and, you know, the United States is a corporation. All this, all this nonsense that's out there. And it really distracts from the real issues. Um, I'm, so, so my first question would be with bankindex.com and the secret covenant, is this a real conspiracy? Because they're out there. I mean, the real conspiracy is out there. Inflation is a conspiracy. The, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, uh, and the large banks and corporations, and the, well, actually, I'd say the Federal Reserve and the, and the, the government, federal government, conspire to create inflation because it makes them money and allows them to borrow money, and they pass the costs on to us. That's a real conspiracy. But the secret covenant, I don't know. So what do you think? Yeah, so for me, because I don't have any information on it, I don't know whether it's true or not. So I'm not going to look at it as true or false. But I will say that it is definitely very interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and read the points because um, a lot of them, even if it wasn't actually published by any of these kind of global ideas or anything, a lot of the things that are in here are actually very accurate to what's going on. So let's just say it was just an average citizen that was just writing all these together saying, you know, this is all what's going on right now. This is what they're trying to do purposefully. Well, you know, they're probably very accurate. <laughs> well, we should read a few of them. I'm, uh, I'm just skimming them as we're talking here. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers? Yes. Okay, so the Federalist Papers, you knew who wrote them. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, um, uh, who was the, that horrible uh, judge. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was John Jay before he screwed up. John Jay. Uh, John Jay, who was good until uh, Marbury versus Madison, but he was already out by then. But uh, it was John Jay, Alexander Hamilton, and I'd forgotten there was like a third person. But they were named. You know who they were? James Madison. They were the, I think. Who was it now? I think it was James Madison. Okay. The point, though, is that the, the anti-federalists were not named. They were all anonymous. And I don't know what they were afraid of, but there was one Publius. There was one A. Farmer. Uh, I know because I used to go over them, and I used to make these specials when I had a sponsor that uh, sponsored me to do it. Uh, come on back, guys. I'll, I'm happy to make those again. <laughs> those are fun. But anyway, uh, but why would the anti-federalists, the people who oppose the Constitution, be so worried that they couldn't publish their names? And only the Constitutional, the Federalists could. I just find that interesting. Yeah. Okay. Do some of these uh, stand out at you from the Secret Covenant? Um, at first, there were some. I was going to just highlight them and go over them, but and then I was like, you know, it might be good just to read all of them. So Go for it. That out. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Start with uh, the very first, right under the Secret Covenant, which uh, the picture. Yeah, the and this is, and anybody can use like DuckDuck or Google and pull this up and look at it because it is just a PDF oh. document. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I found it. JabbaJabba.com, yeah. <laughs> the secret covenant. It's right there. I mean, I pulled it up and, you know, didn't take long to find. See, I, from, I pulled mine up from the U.S. archives, but, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about it. First of all, where, do you know where it came from? Do you know what time it was written? Uh, you're saying John D. Rockefeller? So this would have been late 18, early 1900s yeah. then. But then okay. again, at the same time, it says they don't actually know that it was John D. Rockefeller because they don't know where it came from. That was well, just no, kind it, of it, I don't think he'd write something like this. I think he'd either, uh, I think someone who opposed him would write something like this. Well, let's, let's get into some of them. Well, and, and also, let, uh, everybody just another, uh-huh. thing, another thing that makes you question this is whenever you get down to some of the other points and stuff, whenever it mm-hmm. says, um, where is this? about how they should never find out here. Um, the first one looks like it's uh, 67. But if they ever find out our equal, we shall perish then. They must never know. If they ever find out that together they can vanquish us, they will take action. They must never ever find out what we have done, for if they do, we shall have no place to run, for it will be easy to see who we are once the veil has fallen. Our actions will have revealed who we are, and they will hunt us down with no person shall give us shelter. So, and then when you go to, and that was point like six, seven, six, six, nine. Well, technically, there's, I guess, supposed to be 50 points, but the way that I broke them up was by each, like, invention. So, if that's okay. You, yeah, you start with the end points, which is interesting. By invention. You start and with the end points, if they ever find out, which is interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 72 is probably my favorite one. It says, this covenant must never, ever be known to exist. It must never, ever be written or spoken of. For if it is, the consciousness of it will spawn, will release the fury of the prime creator upon us, and we shall be cast into the depths from which we came and remain there until the end of time of infinity itself. For me, it sounds like they're acknowledging that there's a God and that they're basically demons that are... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, all had, they're all going to hell for what they've done. But it's interesting the, the, yeah. that if it was a secret covenant, how come we know about it? It's obviously not that, that big a secret because here it is. Exactly. You know, unless was, and it, and yeah. the fact that, it's, that it should okay. never be known as just, but yet it's written down on this document and published out. I mean, there's yeah, well, a lot of people they don't want to show that people are figuring it out. But the fact uh, that it's put so neatly and organized on a document also makes you kind of think, is this actually completely true? But well, I mean, it's, it's easy. It's sort of like Nostradamus, which is written in, you know, predicting the future. But he writes such general statements that you can apply it to almost anything. So it starts off here. Uh, there's a box way at the top. It says a secret covenant, an illusion it will be, so large, so vast, it will escape their perception. Those who will see it will be thought of as insane. Ah, isn't that kind of like the theme of our show? <laughs> That's kind of what we do here, isn't it? Yes, but, we are the insane people. Yeah, and we're the only people that make sense. Well, not the only people. That's, that's kind of arrogant. But, uh, you know, we talk about things like, like of course, the election was stolen. You, you can't think that Joe Biden would beat uh, Donald Trump in a fair election. That's impossible. Joe Biden's an idiot. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you put it just that simply. and People go, oh, no, no, no. Well, well, what's your proof? The proof is that Joe Biden's an idiot. <laughs> you know, tell me he's not. Everybody knows that. So how can an idiot, you know, in a basement who never got anybody to rally, who proposed things that people absolutely hate, be Donald Trump who made the country great. 
that's him, that's irrational to believe that, that Joe Biden will be more popular than Donald Trump, regardless of what the numbers and the, and the, 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 the polls and the ballots say. It doesn't matter. There's no way that Joe Biden could beat Donald Trump in a fair election. It's impossible. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yesterday I, I saw something and it was huh? hilarious. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I don't know who it was, like the name of the person, but they went and I don't know where it was either. Wow, this is so much information. But they went and they were like asking, I guess, random people and stuff, which is the better president, Trump or Biden? And they said Biden. And he was like, oh, yeah, I completely agree. It's like, yeah, with Biden, we never got into any wars. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, we never what? did the uh, Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, Biden didn't start the Russian-Ukraine war, and there's never an Israel and Palestine war. There's never any war. And then people are like, yeah, yeah. And then he, <laughs> and then he was like, and we have record um, high unemployment, or record low unemployment, and um, low inflation, and the stock market is doing better than it ever has. And they were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the girl kind of like, wait a minute. And she was kind of, like, thinking about it, like, I don't know about this. And the guy was like, hey, hey, we know what you're doing. <laughs> and it was like, you're trying to turn this into a bait. And he's like, no, I just want you to see uh, uh, if you guys could stand by your point. And it yeah. took, like, until the end of all those questions for the guy to be like, oh, yeah, I'm done. Because, you know, you're actually against Biden because Biden was doing all these horrible things. And it was funny, though, because while he was describing it, like, oh, as if it was, like, good things, like, Biden never started wars. In the, or at Biden, during Biden's presidency, there was never any wars or anything. <laughs> it was like, they were right now. like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, there was never any wars during Biden's presidency and all that. I was like, yeah, that is right. hilarious. He, I was like, that's the problem right there. Like, whenever you are that deceived. Ugh. Well, it's perception. It's, um, it, it, that's what people perceive because they have no memory. <laughs> so the, the, the thing that, uh, that really you know, frustrates the, the leftist journalists is anytime you have a memory. And I, mine's pretty good. Yours is pretty good, too. Um, and so I, most of the people on the show, we can remember back things. You know, like the Wayback Machine. I mean, I know where that came from. Oh, that's kind of funny. But the thing is, I'll remember stories. And I, and, you know, and they say, well, there's no wars, you know, because people have a very short-term memory. But there's two wars going on right now. There's Ukraine and there's Israel. You know, there's potential for a lot more. You know, there's horrible things going on right now. We're being invaded at our southern border. That's actually a war because these people coming in and declaring war in the United States, demanding they're, they're actually thieves and, and invaders. So it really depends on how you characterize these things, too. That, that's a big part yeah, of it. But but, also, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah, this That's exact okay. conundrum reminds me of, you know, George Orwell, 1984, when I was like, oh, um, they're at war with Oceania, and then they're at war with, uh, oh, what was the other one? Um, oh, Arcadia, Oceania, there's two of them, there's two countries. We have to be at war with somebody. Yeah. And when we're not at war with one, we'll be at yeah. war with the other, because we have to be at war with somebody. Yeah, that's... Um, and it was... It was talking about how their um, population perceives things in 1984. Mm-hmm. It was like, at first, they were, I forgot the name of the other one, but you said like Acadia or something like that. That doesn't sound right, but we'll go with that. That was one. And they were like, okay, we are um, at war with Acadia, and we are allies with Oceania, and we hate Acadia. They're evil. They're the worst. And everybody agreed. Everybody thought they're evil. They're the worst. They're at war with them, right. and they're allies with Oceania. And then on one day, every single bit of propaganda, like, um, 
they just completely flipped and they said, okay, we are partners with Acadia or whatever. And we are now against Oceana. We hate Oceana. We've always hated mm-hmm. Oceana. And it was right. like the fact that it was ever different just completely escaped people's minds. Nobody was conscious of the fact that it had changed. Well, I mean, everybody knew that it changed because they changed it, and now they're saying, oh, we, um, uh, well, what did I even change to? Like, we uh, allies with Oceana, or we hate Oceana now, and we're allies with Acadia, and then now they're war with Acadia, and that war with and allies with Oceana, whatever I thought they'd do. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't realize that there was a change, and so they just go along with no, it. They're not like, oh, yeah, we hate them, and we hate them. And it's like, you were allies with them five minutes ago. It's like, no, we weren't. What are you talking about? We've always hated them. So, and I, it's kind of like the same thing that I thought of, you know, whenever you see that. It's like yeah. just complete deception. Oh, it's like the Democrats in slavery. You know, the Democrat Party was the party of slavery. They were the party of the Confederacy, the party of segregation, uh, the party of uh, black plantations today. And yeah, they're thought of as, as the, you know, the Freedom Party, the ones who are anti-racist. Well, the most racist party out there. But it's all perception. But it, it, you have to have a memory, though. And this is where it gets interesting because people, if they don't put a story in context, um, when I was a flight instructor, we had something called, we had these laws of learning from Professor Reginald Thorndike III or something like that, some hoity-toity professor. And one of the laws was the law of recency which says that the thing most recently heard, most recently learned, is the thing that's going to be remembered the most. So in other words, whatever the most recent story is, that one's going to predominate. So if you're going to put things in context, you've got to be able to relate back previous stories. The other thing they had was like a pyramid of learning, Hmm. wrote, uh, understanding, application, and correlation. And so this actually was probably the most interesting for me because I taught correlation. So wrote, you know, put the power in full on takeoff. Uh, Understanding. You need full power and takeoff or the airplane won't get off the ground efficiently. Uh, application, push the throttle in, you know, and this is why you're doing it. And correlation would be relating it to other things. You're going to need full power if you go around. You're going to need full power in an emergency. You're going to need full power in different situations, so you better know how to use it. That's just an example I made up. But the idea is these different levels, and most people are at the rote level. 99% of the people are at the rote level. Here's your job. Do it. Okay, fine. Do they understand their job? I don't even know if most people even understand their job. They just do it, right? There's, there's no, there's no, it's like thinking's left to the, the higher ups. So management, they get to think, but only so much. So rote understanding application where you can actually apply what you've learned. So maybe you need full power, uh, you know, in a different situation. Uh, you, you never know. I mean, stuff happens in airplanes, right? And of course, the, the other one is correlation. And I remember big on, uh, on correlation was to, we used to do something where we tell pilots how to do takeoff in a crosswind. And we show them the windsock and we tell them, okay, now you set your wind correction angle and all that kind of stuff. And then my test for pilots was when we got a crosswind, I didn't say a word. Most pilots would do a normal takeoff. I said, well, did you see the windsock? Well, yeah. Did you see we had a crosswind? Well, yeah. Well, why didn't you do a crosswind takeoff? Well, you didn't tell me to. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> I taught you the procedure, but you never applied it. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't relate it to what they learned. And I think this is how most people think. They're at the rote level. Monkey see, monkey do. What do you think? I think that's pretty accurate. But a lot of it also, it's not like many are encouraged to think more than that. They're actually mm-hmm. encouraged to stay at that kind of thought level. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, that was... actually goes into some of the next points, too, on the document. Oh, please, document. please, segue away. Feel yeah, free. it was perfect segue, actually. Yeah, we didn't plan, folks. We, we, we do a lot of serendipity around here. <laughs> we get lucky a lot. So the sixth invention 
says, mm-hmm. um, we will work together always. So, okay, actually, I guess it will start being serendipitous at the seventh point, but whatever. So right. we will work together always and will remain bound by blood and secrecy. Death will come to he who speaks. We will keep their lifespan short and their minds weak while pretending to do the opposite. That one I thought mm-hmm. applies to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. We will use our, te- our knowledge of science and technology in subtle ways so they will never see what is happening. We will use soft metals, aging accelerators, and sedatives, and food and water also in the air. They will be blanketed by poisons everywhere they turn. The soft metals will cause them to lose their minds. We will promise to find a cure from our many farms, yet we will feed them more poison. The poisons will be absorbed through their skin and mouths. They will destroy their minds and reproductive systems. From all of this, their children will be born dead, and we will conceal this information. The poisons will be hidden in everything that surrounds them and what they drink, eat, breathe, and wear. We must be ingenious in dispensing the poisons for they can see far. We will teach them that poisons are good with fun images of musical tones. Those they look up to will help. We will enlist them to push our poisons. They will see our products being used in film and grow accustomed to them and will never know their true effect. When they give birth, we will inject poisons into the blood of their children and can convince them that it's for their health. We will start early when their minds are young. We will target their children with what children love most, sweet things. When their teeth decay, we will fill them with metals that will kill their mind and steal their future. There's another point in here somewhere that I was reading before uh, about their goals of, like, uh, making children deformed and disabled. Well, they they did that with thalidomide, was a chemical supposedly was... uh going to prevent miscarriages and ended up uh, having kids born without arms and legs. So there are things like that. I don't know if that was, I don't think that was intentional. I think they just wanted to sell the product, but this sounds very much like vaccines, which are full of metals, which are full of horrible things. Uh, and it's also very, very COVID like too, in the, what they're talking about and the things of the symptoms of COVID and just the whole brain, you know, disconnection here. Oh, I hear a big dog. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's a theory that of where this comes from. And this is a theory because there is no actual evidence of where this has come from. But it's very possible that some of these points or ideas have been brought up or discussed in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Within some of the global meetings, you know, this may be part of some kind of plan and somebody just put it into a written form. That's another possibility of where it could have come from. But then again, uh, you never know, which is kind of frustrating. It sounds very recent. It's like someone's taking credit for all the things we've already discovered because there's nothing new there. Everything on that, that page that I saw that you've talked about has already happened. So it's also exactly like 1984. They tell us what we already know. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, so what's the point of this? Unless you, unless you want to – go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying it's scary how much – Everything we're talking about is starting to line up more and more with George Orwell's 1984. Oh, he was brilliant. Which is the exact thing he told us not to do by writing it. <laughs> yeah, and, and the current joke is, you know, 1984, you know, was a warning, not a manual. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. um, but it, but it's, it, it sounds, as I read this, it strikes me that this is something that has been written fairly recently because there are no new points in it. We're not, they're not revealing anything to the future. All this stuff's already happened. And the fact that they call it a secret covenant, ooh, people always want to know secrets, right? So they look into this like secret knowledge. I mean, the, the, the conspiracy folks are, are huge on secrets. They love secrets. Oh, I can't tell you. 
Because if I told you, you know, I'd have to kill you. But trust me, I know things you don't know, so just trust me. But I can't tell you because it's a secret. That's just that's just a way that's just a uh, you know just a way to accumulate power because you have influence over people because well you must know more than I do because you know a secret. You know, it's a bunch of nonsense. I I wouldn't put much stock in this. You know, it doesn't it doesn't survive the the logic and reason filter because everything yeah. in here has already been done. Huh. Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I want. And that was kind of what I wanted to go over on it. Oh, please. Focus up every, go ahead. Everything on this list of how accurate it is of what's going on. Well, so it's, like, it's easy it to write it. A, it's easy to write it if yeah. it's already happened. <laughs> you can't take credit for, for predicting the future if, you're, if, it, if the future's already happened. <laughs> yeah. You're not predicting the future. You're documenting the past. And by predating yeah. it, you think you uh, well, you know what it looks like is they, they could be saying, well, because I, I predict the future, this, this document was written in 1952, and it predicts all the things that are happening today. But what, what if it was written last year? I mean, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I really doubt that this may have been written before 1937. I mean, it could have. It very well could have, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Well... Where I've got a topic I want to bring up, but I'm going to be doing it in the third hour as well. But I want to do this specifically on your show day because uh, I'm curious what you think of the, the NASA genius test. Uh, but do you have other report things you want to bring up? There's just tons of stuff going on. Um, yeah, I wanted to go through a couple more of these points that are kind of interesting. Sure. Um, go for it. I think we're about halfway through it, though. When their ability to learn has been affected, we will create medicine that will make them sicker and cause other diseases for which we will create yet more medicine. We will render them docile and weak before us by our power. They will grow depressed, slow and obese, and when they come to us for help, we will give them more poison. So we will focus their attention toward money and material goods so they may never connect with their inner self. We will distract them from fornic- We will distract them with fornication, external pleasures, and games so they may never be one with the oneness of it all. Yeah, hold up for a second. So they may never be one with the oneness. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I, I, uh, I, I spoke a little too soon. But a lot of this stuff's already happened. I mean, you can look at ADHD drugs. You can look at antidepressants and puberty blockers, you know, sex transition drugs. They all do that. All the things they're talking about. That's already happening. So, again, this has already happened. But where's the oneness? Where does it say that? I think I, uh, which, which one are we looking at? Yeah. Here? Read that one again. Uh, the, 20, the 25th indention. It says, so they may never be one with the oneness of it all. Ooh. What is the oneness of it all? What do you think? That's a big statement. Yeah. I don't exactly know. If I was to throw out some guesses there, you know, like going back to like one of their last points, it's probably saying never be one with God, you know, is over everything, but I don't know that for sure. Well, God's not mentioned this anywhere. It's kind of interesting. And it's very fatalistic. Well, I mean, at the end, it was... Here, let me go back down. Um, this looks very much like the Communist Manifesto, now that I read it. We will crush them. We will, you know, workers of the world unite, rise up and smash the oppressors. I mean, this is some language like that in there. Yeah, well, the 72nd invention says, um, whenever it talks to us, it says, the covenant must never, ever be known to exist and must never, ever be written or spoken of. 
For if it is the consciousness that will spawn or release the fury of the prime creator upon us, and we shall be cast into the depths from whence we came, and remain there until the end of time of infinity itself. And so there I think prime creator that's usually acknowledging God. And then the fact that says, and shall be cast to the depths from whence we came and remain there until the end of infinity itself. You know, it kind of sounds like, yeah, they are describing hell. But also, the way they say it, from whence we came, it sounds like that's where they came from as well. So it's like, hmm, are they embodied by demons? No, what it sounds like is, is that uh, these are people who are trying to get a warning out, pretending to have a secret covenant, when in reality they're just documenting what's already happened. And because they make it a secret, everybody wants to read it. You know, if you, if you had a website that said, yeah, if you had a website that said uh, uh, Tennessee or Nashville murderer um, manifesto dot com, <laughs> you know, and it had the whole manifesto, you'd go there right away because nobody knows what it is right now except certain people. You know, so I, I'm, I'm always leery of these things of these. I've got a secret things. But, you know, I got a question for you on uh, the topic I'll be doing in the third hour, which is the, the series of articles I have on the fact that NASA did a study in the 60s. And the study said that kids, before they go to school, tested the 98% genius level for creativity, problem solving. They use what they call divergent thinking. Remember the movie Divergent? Um, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Oh, okay. Um, Shailene Watley or whatever her name is. I'm not good with crazy names. But, uh, yeah, it, basically it's a copy of the Hunger Games. Uh, same kind of thing, though. <laughs> anyway. Um, but they break everybody into these certain classes, and the divergents are like the untouchables. You know, they're the worst because they're diverging from society. They're, they're, they're non It's the same old thing. The oppressive government wants everybody to conform, and if you don't, they, they reject you and away you go. But what's interesting is this genius study uh, is the kids, before they get to school, when they're naturally left on their own, are incredibly creative. 98% genius level, this NASA study found. Well, by, by 10 years old, it's only, there's only 30% of geniuses. They've had five years of indoctrination. Uh, by the end of school, it's like 10, uh, less than that, uh, 10%. By the time people are, reach adulthood, like 18, uh, only 2% after they've been through the entire school system are, are at the genius level. So they take 98% and reduce it to 2%. Well, that's insane. Why would you take, you know, so, so, but what I'm questioning is, and this is the part I don't understand, if the results are that dramatic and they knew it back in the 60s, why do we still have government schools? Well, Pink Floyd told us that we'll just another brick in the wall. Oh. <laughs> we don't need no education. Yeah. Yeah. Another, well, it's, it's funny. Now, the English schools. Now, I went to an English school system school in Australia. You know, it was all boys. You know, we had school uniforms. I got caned. That was an experience. Uh, so I know exactly what that's all about in terms of, of that. But, then, then, uh, but it was a far better system than uh, when I went to American and Canadian public schools where everybody was basically barbarians. We at least were disciplined and we learned incredible amounts in that school system. So it's, it's uh, and you know, but it's private school versus a public school. But the, the government schools, well, here's what was interesting. I don't know if I, let's see if I can describe it. To a pre- I'll, I'll go over this more and I'll kind of lead up to it uh, in the third hour. But what I found so fascinating is they talk about divergent versus convergent thinking. Divergent is creativity, individuality, uh, looking for unique solutions. You're not bound by anything. So your, your divergent side is where you divert from everything known and, and try and figure out the unknown. Convergent is the opposite. 
That's where you criticize. That's where you judge. That's where you find yourself restricted. That's where you try and conform. And I don't think of it as convergent thinking so much as conditional thinking. So this is my analysis. And so as they condition people through school to remove every bit of individuality, they come out being critical of everything. And so it seems to me, you know what's coming, right? That critical thinking skills are actually the skills that remove your creativity, your individuality, your ability to solve problems, and basically take away your genius and make you a moron. Because that's what they're doing. Well, I think, mm-hmm. I think in its base state, critical thinking might actually foster more creativity because it makes you think deeper about things, think of things in a different way, you know, evaluate that's not what, things. Yeah, that's but, not what critical thinking skills are. Yeah. But uh, I, I think finish. the way that schools teach critical thinking skills, I think... Mm-hmm. Your definition is pretty accurate for the way the schools use it. Well, thank you. What I found was reading something, this is a couple of years ago, that critical thinking skills were not designed as the skills that are critical for thinking, is what you would expect. That's the propaganda. What it really is, is teaching kids how to be critical of literally everything. Critical of family, critical of God, critical of country, critical of institutions, critical of everything. It teaches kids to be nothing but critical and themselves. And since criticism is the opposite of creativity, kids are being conditioned all the way through school to be critical. And that's what the education system means when they talk about critical thinking skills. They teach you how to be critical about everything, including yourself. And so you suppress all your yeah, creativity. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I was saying, like, for doing comparisons to George Orwell, there's also the fact of within the education system and all the children coming out, you find that people in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college, and it just keeps getting worse, like, as it goes. But they start turning on their family and anybody that opposes their views. They view everybody hmm. as an enemy, right? And they turn anybody in. The government literally was telling them, you know, turn your neighbors in. And so was more than happy to do it. And everybody's turning against people that are their neighbors. And for no reason, I was in that if I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of conditioned in thinking. But that's exactly what happened in Georgia. But, yeah. I mean, for Georgia, well, the results are a little bit more extreme than they are currently, but, I mean, let's just say it had to start somewhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, where the children would turn against their parents and turn their parents in, and they had just said one thing that was out of line with party, right? So, like, mm-hmm. hate speech, for example. If these kids already hate their parents and such, what happens is that parent says one thing that's considered hate speech to them, and they're going to turn around and send their parents to prison because this is exactly what happens in George Orwell. You know, I think it's another tricky road that's happening from this kind of conditioned thinking. Well, a lot of kids turn on their parents. Obviously, they have uh, less loyalty than their parents in the school. So what is it the schools do to create more, more loyalty for the school? Is it peer pressure? Is it acceptance? Is it conditioning? Is it the fact that kids are in school for all those hours? as opposed to the time they spend with their parents at home, how can kids turn their parents? How do you turn a kid from someone who loves their parents at five, has never gone to school, to someone that will turn their parents in and send them to a gulag at uh, seven? I mean, how does that happen? I think it's not necessarily the school itself, because if you ask most kids, most kids will tell you they hate school, right? Mm-hmm. But listen, it, it is kind of tricky, but when we think about it, schools have children at a minimum of eight hours a day, right? Sometimes more, especially if they're involved in activities and such. So schools 
are basically raising your children. They're feeding right. your children two meals a day. They're getting, mm-hmm. they're getting to all their needs for eight hours plus a day. And the only time that you see your children is in the evening times, right? Most of the time, parents mm-hmm. still don't see their children a lot of times. They still go to their room. A lot of times you hear people, they go and eat in their room like their families don't eat together, you know. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of time, religion is left out of families. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of separation within the households. And so these children are able to be influenced by all the other children around them, anything online, and the schools itself, whatever they're teaching. Even though they may hate school, any kind of influence that comes from school is going to be their main influence as their mind is growing. Especially whenever they're slapped on something like, okay, you have to meet this intellectual standard. This is what you have to follow. If you go any other direction than reaching this standard, then you're going to fail, and basically your future is destroyed if you don't line up with this, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's also, so along with the pressure of that within the school system, it's kind of like a perfect breeding ground to manufacture children. Oh, that's an interesting choice of words. Yeah, definitely manufacture. It's like, well, that's the old model, the Prussian model. And you can still find this video occasionally, but this video came out several years ago about the Prussian model for education. And so the Prussians, after World War I, found the biggest problem with their soldiers was they weren't following orders. Uh, they were thinking for themselves. And they did the good, being good Prussians, being you know, martial people, they didn't want that. So they devised an education system that would uh, have people follow orders at all costs. I mean, just you know, completely conditioned to be the cog in the wheel, the brick in the wall. And that system was, was imported to us here by Horace Mann, you know, Thomas Dewey, and some other of these leftist educators. Um, most of our professors, our early uh, PhD candidates, uh, got their degrees in Prussia and moved them all here. So we brought the system over. And what the system has is what we still have today in school. We, the schools are basically based on a, like an 1850s model. You have rooms where the desks are all lined up in order. You know, you have bells conditioning people to, you know, change at, at, at the same time every 45 or 50 minutes. You know, you go eat lunch, you know, you come back to school, you know, and it's very conditioned. You do gym, you know, you do some extra things, play music, whatever it is you're doing. But it's all, it's all structured. It's all conditioned. And the classes themselves, I was bored silly in classes. That's why I was so sarcastic you know, in my papers because it's the only yeah. way I could amuse myself. Go ahead. Rockefellers had the same philosophy, and they had a lot of influence in uh, the education system as well, um, along with, of course, the medical field, oil, women's rights, they did searches and everything. Well, actually, they stirred the pot and everything. But, you know, whichever analogy works for you. One of the things is, like, they wanted a society of people who can follow orders, a society of workers. That's what they wanted. Okay. Not a society of thinkers, but a society of workers. That are just as you're told. Um, and so that was kind of one of their main influences in helping the educator helping the education system. Except for the elite. See, so they separate off the elites. Uh, do you? You probably don't remember this, but we went over the uh, what's that? Phillips Exeter Academy, their uh, their courses. You know what you get in high school, right? It's pretty. Bring it back, right? Let's have a little fun here. Let me let me pull up the uh, Phillips Exeter Academy. It's where the it's it's a prep school. It's where the elite of the elite go to school before they go to Harvard and Yale, become leaders of our corporations and government. Phillips Exeter. It's where the Bushes went. To all those folks. Academy tuition, I don't want that. I just want the academy. Let's see if I can find you some courses. Uh, but it's amazing what these people take to school. Uh, let's go curriculum. Education, connection. Da, da, da. 
different way to live and learn. Okay, academic. So here we go. Let's see if I can get you uh, some of the classes that they offer here. Courses, courses, courses. Browse courses. Do, 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 do. Well, that's pretty boring. A study of sport and society. Accelerated Arabic for seniors. What is this nonsense? Acting one. Come on, guys. Give me the, give me, give me the, the elitist stuff. Anyway, I should probably prepare this next time. They learn German, Japanese. They learn uh, painting. Uh, this is a pretty, uh, pretty wide-open education, looking at all this stuff. Applied physics. Not get much applied physics in high school. Art, literature, music. So this would be a good education if you were a, a ruling elite, right? Biochemistry and human nutrition. This is a high school course. Bioethics. I don't remember this in high school. Bioethics. Bio, I mean, let's look at bioethics. Yeah. Let's see what that course says. Bioethics. Right, let's click on this one and see what we get. This is what, this is what the elites are learning. Humans' capacity to alter their world at the biological level has risen to new heights in the past 50 years. Human capacity, da, 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 da. with advanced technologies such as gene editing, cloning, and stem cell research, medical procedures such as organ donation, abortion, and IVF, I guess that's in vitro fertilization, and biological manipulations of our food production systems, <laughs> is that bugs? <laughs> and ecosystems in the news daily, a uh, discussion of ethical underpinnings of these technologies is, is a requisite. Oh, they get to discuss the ethics of, of, of us eating bugs? Well, that's really big of them. <laughs> this is what is the right thing to do? What is worth the most time, effort, and resources? What are our obligations to each other and other organisms on which we depend? This is fascinating. This is like ultra-socialist. Who is responsible for the outcomes of the science? What do you mean who is responsible for the outcomes of the science? The science is. To whom and for what? Is there a moral question here? And how should we respond? The study of bioethics is multidisciplinary, da 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 Anyway. Uh, I can I can look at this. Look up Phillips Exeter Academy. Just check out all the courses they have. See if I can try some. Uh, let's go back and get some of the departments. Departments. Browse departments. This is what the elite are learning. Art, classical languages, computer science, um, English, economics, health and human development, history, integrated studies, music, modern languages, mathematics, phys ed, religion, science, and religion. Oh, let's look up the religion one. Are you curious? Yes. It says, contemplating life's big questions. The religion department creates space for reflection. Oh, this is interesting. You'll strengthen social ties and examine what it means to be human as you search for meaning and purpose in your life. This is the religion. I don't see God here. Have you seen you hear the word God yet? <laughs> I'm just curious. It says, our curriculum explores a diversity of ideologies. Classes like Islam and Judaism explore the histories, beliefs, and cultural traditions of those religions, while courses on ethics challenge you to consider moral questions in the context of current events. Delving into these topics with an open heart and mind will deepen your understanding of other belief systems and help you articulate your own values as well. This sounds like DEI. <laughs> Diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. This is like DEI training. That's the religion department. I, in the entire religion department, they don't mention the word God in any uh, any of that intro. I just find that fascinating. What do you think? Yeah, I can't find where... I mean, I found like the religion department, but I don't see like those or anything that you're saying. But it's it definitely is kind of odd. Yeah, look up... Uh, so if you get to the main page, um, the home... It says go to academics. From academics, you can yeah. get to departments. And then courses... We'll do it for next week. We don't have to do it all now. 
you know, a little bit of time left anyway. College counseling, academic library. Basically, this is where they train yeah. the, the rich people to be, uh, you know, uh, our leaders. <laughs> this this is where our leaders go. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I did see a witchcraft one, yeah. Yeah. Looks like Pianchi wants to get on this. Do you have another topic before I bring Pianchi on? Just want to make sure. We're just kind of rambling today. Um, no, just some of the other points. Okay. Let's get, let's get Pianchi and see what he says. Pianchi, what do you think of all this? Remember when we went, you were there when I went over the Phillips Exeter Academy when I actually prepared it. Remember that, Pianchi? Well, it must have been a long time ago, but this thing about you need to get rid of all, that's totally ridiculous. You got very good public schools and they're needed. I wait, 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 hold, hold on, no, no, hold on right there. If they're taking 98% genius level kids at age five, and by the time they're out of school at 18, they're only 2% genius level, how can there be any of those schools be good? Well, I don't know who's measuring, but for instance, in the city of St. Louis, mm-hmm. in the city of St. Louis, you have a children's hospital mm-hmm. where kids are there receiving treatment for diseases and other disabilities. The St. Louis mm-hmm. Public School runs a school and children's hospital. You've got uh, public schools that are ran in detention centers where you have troubled youth. And it just goes on and on. So what's needed is more parental input. Also, you know, in the city of St. Louis, they got the special school district where mm-hmm. children are paraplegic. They are can't perform in a regular school setting. So they got a whole school district for children with special needs. It's a public school. Yeah, that makes sense. I, for kids with special needs, kids that have... Uh disciplinary problems and things like that. Yeah, I don't want them, uh, you know, loose on society. <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But any kid that can be oh, uh, taught at home should be. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to get Brianna in this. She's only got about 10 minutes left. Brianna, what do you think? Yeah. Hold on. Well, I think everybody would want, of course, the best education for their child. And, of course, not every single homeschooling system is good. Uh, but not every single one of them is bad. And I think it goes for every kind of education system. Not all of it's good, not all is bad. And within public school, I think we can all acknowledge that there are a lot of problems with it because of the outcomes. I think that's the best way to basically describe something is how does it come out. Because an idea could be good, but the results can be bad and you need to change it. And I think that's what's happening within public schools. Now, Homeschooling is a lot of times a great option, especially if they're able to give the children a good um, education. Sometimes they're not, and a homeschooling system for some students might not be good, and it might be very, very terrible, and they might not be learning anything. It might be worse in some situations. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it is based, the parents' jobs to be in charge of their children's education and deciding how they want their children to be educated. And I don't think there's anything wrong with going to any kind of private school, whether it's an elite one or whether it's a lower class one. I think if they have a good education where your child is going to come out the other end with, you know, creativity, intelligence, with a lot of skills and such, then I think that it's fine. But it has to be something that that lines up with your values and what you want your child to learn. Yeah, that's why you have to be able to pick the school. But what you have to do is equalize the public and the private schools. So in other words, it shouldn't cost any more to go to a private school than it costs to go to a government school. That's the only way that parents will have a choice. 
That's not possible. You know, at MIT, you have one professor, three students, and one professor. 28% of the graduates there is computer science, mechanical engineers, and mathematics. Some of your highest performing high schools come out of California, Texas, Florida. That's that's not possible to do that. And children, all children are not made the same. Some of them have some inner ability, music. Uh, Some of them have other medicine, mathematics. It depends on what the child is able to carry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would would, would, – go ahead, Brianna. Education – I mean, whenever you have the free enterprise of education, because the education should not be locked out of that. It is something that should be kept under the free enterprise. And that means it's allowed to have competition, which means it'll better the education. That's what you used to have. People would uh, get different teachers that they thought would be the best for the children. The best teachers costed the most money. And so a lot of um, adults would want to be more successful and get more money and be more successful in their careers and stuff. And one of the things would be in order to give their child a better education. And that was one of those push and pull factors, right? Because the less successful the less successful you were, the less great opportunities you have. And the more successful, the more money. And the more greater, that means the more better of an opportunity of education you can get for your child. But also those teachers, the better they are as a teacher, the more they can make for themselves because they are successful. And that's kind of that kind of competition theme within the free market system. So if you have a really bad education, but it's free for everybody and stuff, that's, there's a reason why it's bad. And then you have something that's really expensive that, you know, it costs a lot to go to, but it's an outstanding education, I guess, that a lot of people are wanting and they want their money to go to the school. Then people are going to be more successful, and they're going to choose to pay for that higher expense of an education because they want their child to have a better education. As soon as you try and equalize it out, it's kind of like the same thing. You know, you're taking the money away from something successful to make them both mediocre or poor. Because what happens when you take away all this money and say, okay, you you and you are both going to be free. You're both going to be basically through whatever funding is free, which would be either the government or individuals and such. And right now, private schools are already funded by the individuals. So, I mean... If you want to go back to that, it would be the same kind of idea. But I think it would be very dangerous to make them both free and both equal because what you don't want is there, those to be equal education systems. We want good education systems. We want well, them to only be in the sense that, Brianna, let me just jump in here for a second, only in the sense that it shouldn't cost you more to go to a private school than a public school. And the reason it does is because your taxes go to a government school, whether or not you have kids or not, whether or not you have kids in school or not. If, you want, if you're a parent that wants to pay for a private school, you have to pay your taxes to the government school and pay for the private school. Well, there's a lot of parents that can't afford to do that. So what you want to do is equalize it somehow, yeah. not equalizing the schools, but equalizing the cost of going to them so that the parent who wants – hold on, Pink, I'll get to you – so that the parent who wants to send their kids to a private school, which usually is a far better education, uh, and they might be more tailored, they might have a Catholic school they want to go to, or they might want to have a more of an art school, or they might want more of a vocational school. See, the problem with the government schools is they're generic. You know, one size fits all. They teach the same level. So if you're smarter than the teacher or, or not quite as fast as the other students, you're lost. The only people that benefit from school are those right in the middle that they give the education for. So that's all I'm saying. You can't equalize the education and you can't equalize people because we're all individuals. But what you can do is take away the penalty of having to pay taxes and pay again for a private school education. That's what I'm trying to do. 
Jackie? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very good idea to take away the fact of, you know, you have to pay taxes to a school that your child isn't going to. I think your tax money should follow where the school is your child is going to. And if you choose to homeschool your child, not go to any school, maybe you don't have to pay those taxes for the schools. But with within the education, I don't think that it should be the equal cost. I think if you want to work, if you want your child to have a better education and you want them to go to a more expensive school like a private school because it is better and it is private owned and it is more successful, which is why it costs more. Isn't that something that says, okay, parents well, they can want to Private schools are free to whatever they want to work harder. They want to save their yeah. money. They want to, do, they want to be able to be successful in order to get the funds to send their child there. And if it was all the same, then, of course, then again, you would have uh, less of a reason for parents to go and work harder and do better for their children. And, you know, that's why you see a lot of people that have more money because they are more successful, that they are able to send their children to have those better opportunities. So I think mm-hmm. the fact yeah. that the pay disparity is there is perfectly reasonable and I don't think they should both be free or both be um, really cheap. Even And yes, I agree, it is a better education and we want more students to have that. But we can also try and fix the uh, government schools and the public schools to try and have a better system there as well. Let me tell you, you know what the, you know what the annual cost for MIT, the normal cost is 60150 You know what the annual cost per student, $5,084, is the average cost after aid. The difference is, is that you got some smart kids. The acceptance rate is 4%. The ACT range is 35 to 36. 36 is a perfect score. SAT is 1520 to 1580. 1600 is a perfect score. So if you prepare your child, I know my grandson attending LSU, tuition $60,000 a year. I practically wow. I paid for that out of my own pocket. But guess what? His grades were so high, he practically went to school for nothing. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Prepare your no, I mean, scholarships, for the rigor. Uh, yeah, scholarships are a whole different thing. And, of course, schools are free to charge whatever they want. All I'm saying is you shouldn't tax parents uh, for a government education. Uh, there's got to be another way to fund the government schools. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's up to each. That's what that's up to each state. Each state's oh, constitution allows the school districts yeah. to exist. But what yeah. I'm saying is, is prepare your child and put more emphasis in uh, your ability. Children should be assessed and evaluated to see what their natural abilities are. In St. Louis, they got a career academy where they do uh, technical education there, mm-hmm. and they've yeah. got schools where. Metro is a is a ranked like number one in the whole country. It's high school, did. Yeah, if you have some time, both of you, I wrote a a fourteen thousand word article on a completely new education system, a model for it. Uh, it's broken up into seven parts, so take your time, <laughs> Brian. If you get a chance to go through it, uh, we can talk about that sometime. Yankee, yeah, same thing too. It's in my Substack, GregPangloss.substack.com. Uh, I probably won't be writing any more Substacks. I'll be moving it over to uh, I forgot what the rounds. I think it's called for. Uh, uh, Rumble has their own article section, so I just moved my articles over there. Anyway, point being, that had a completely new way of, of doing education, so everything counted. Ballet classes counted. Uh, automotive classes counted. Uh, debate class, chess club counted. Uh, sports counted. Everything you did would count towards your education. So every education was tailored to the individual. Everybody's. There was no generic government school education. So that's something you both might want to take a look at. And, and see how it would work out, but uh, that might be kind of interesting. Um, let me just ask Brianna, my, my big question, do you think the government schools, given the fact that they do take 
98% geniuses and turn out 2% geniuses at the end, are, are government schools even capable of educating? I mean, this is a big question. Pianchi disagrees, I know, but I'm just curious what you think. Well, I don't think we should have government schools at all. Okay. Um, and the thing is, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean? If people can't get education. Well, the thing is, we've had school systems and schools mm-hmm. that children would go to before the government started getting involved with funding. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a bad idea because it has worked for many, many years. And it's actually probably worked for centuries. Well, look at all the. It was really just like uh, small, like individual groups of families that would probably like share a teacher or people have individual teachers and such. I think that was the only thing. But you can get a group of students all together and you can have a community funded or local funded or state funded Mm -hmm. school or one that's like just the parents start putting it or a teacher says, hey, me and this teacher have skills. If you want them, you can pay for them. We can get a group of your students and we can teach them. And, you know, that used to be a very effective way to be able to teach children. So I think we can play with the idea that it doesn't, and we don't have to keep the same exact way, but I'm saying we don't have to have government-funded schools. So if we do, we can have it at a really restrictive basis, you know, get rid of the Department of Education, the NEA, you know, make it where the parents can allow the children to have the education if they want them to have. Well, you know that that word you guys are using, gov- federal government don't have any input in your public school and your local community. What's government is that it's funded by the public, the town, the local concerns. I pointed out that there's some high schools in the St. Louis area, Ladue and Clayton, receive hardly nothing from the state and maybe 1% from the federal government because of free and Ladue reduced lunch program. Federal government don't have any concern over your school. They can't tell them nothing unless yeah. you apply for something. Well, the yeah, but the NEA, Department of Education, a lot of the administrative stuff, it does come down and trickle down. And, you know, I've seen some of the clips and stuff from the people at NEA, and let me just say they hate your children. But, I mean, within these organizations, and I think you're right, like a lot of funding for some schools doesn't come directly from the federal government, a lot of it's state funding and stuff, but them still being a government school because they have to follow along with the government agencies' restrictions and policies and what kind of education material they want in there. And a lot of times students have problems with that. So just because, like, most of their funding isn't from the federal government, you know, there still is the NEA, and then a lot of the state ones too. And probably well, the NEA... NDA is a teacher's union, just like the United Auto Workers, just like construction uh, personnel work for the iron workers, the electricians, the plumbers. They belong to unions. They have a right to organize. Well, Suzanne, I don't believe in teachers' unions either, though. So. <laughs> well, they don't have a right for the government well, unions because government unions don't operate in the same principle as a private union. Like, I support the Teamsters, and I support the AFL-CIO to collectively bargain with companies. But, but government unions are illegal. The only reason we have them is because John Kennedy signed an executive order, and it would be just as easy for Trump to get rid of it. I've got uh, Josie on the line now, so let's uh, – uh, of course, Brianna, you're always welcome to stick around, but uh, let's get any, any final comments we have on this. This has been kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, this is a really good conversation. I'll talk more with you about it, Pianchi um, and Greg. So this is Brianna Cannon on Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Perfect. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. 
and now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Buenos dias, chica. Buen, buenos dias, amigo. ¿Qué pasa? Good morning. Oh. Sobre ultra. <laughs> I'll tell you what's happening. I'm miserable. Uh, I got sick a couple of days oh. ago, so I'm kind of... You know, I'm recovering. I mean, I slept all day yesterday, so I'm, I'm getting back to my normal. You need to take icy arrogant self. What's that? Take a couple ivermectin. Oh, I could. I just slept all day. Fever's gone. Yeah. Pretty much, almost. But yeah, that's a good idea. I should, I should definitely get some of that. Um, but uh, no, I my, just slept. Uh, I didn't want to go anywhere. My husband yeah. has been uh, sleeping for today too, but he didn't have a call or anything. He just. I think he ate something. I don't know if the milk that I got was Ooh. a little fast too. You know, I food don't know poisoning. something happened. He's been <laughs> with a stomach, but all he did was sleep for two days. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Food poisoning affects a whole lot more people than people suspect. You think it's a flu bug. It's really not. Yeah. A lot of times it's food poisoning. You know, an hour and a half after yeah. you eat, if you start throwing up, that's food poisoning. That's how you can tell. Yeah. Real sharp pain. And your body says, nope, we're not keeping this. <laughs> it is going. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I tried my first oyster. And he didn't want to uh, take no meds. He said, no, your body's like a machine. If something is bad, it's going to bring it out, you know, clean you up. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. Well, that's what happened with me. I just slept. I mean, my fever went from 101 (laughs) to, like, 98 this morning, you know, so it just gradually dropped me. Yeah, well, it's getting better, but the, a fever is good. A mm-hmm. fever means that your body is killing whatever virus. Now, I got completely exhausted right. and lack of sleep, and uh, I had a couple of things I had to do this weekend, and they just cost me. <laughs> it was necessary, but <laughs> but that's why I got sick. So anyway, yeah. that's my that's my tale. Oh. I should be fine tomorrow. You know, well, okay. I hope you feel better. Yeah, I will. Uh, it's just uh, I just got to get my strength back today, and I'll be uh, my normal arrogant <laughs> self. Come tomorrow. <laughs> so, so what's going on south of the border? Our bodies, um, our bodies are. Amazing, you know that how God created oh, yeah. us. Yeah, so until amazing. God thinks you've had enough, oh. and then that's it. <laughs> but yeah. Until then, until then, you can keep going pretty strong. Yeah, I'll be fine. Uh, it's just you know, same old thing. Uh, just a question of rest. Rest is the, the best thing you can do. That's how I got rid of COVID three years ago. I just slept for two days. Today is yeah. only one day. I'll rest. take it easy today. I'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, south of the border, we haven't talked a lot about uh, different countries, and I'd be curious, uh, especially now. I mean, how's Argentina doing with, with Malay? and some of the other places. Yes, that's what I, um, I wanted to mention a little bit about that. People are excited. Yeah. And um, I was talking to my Sunday school teacher, which he does missions in Ar- in Argentina. And uh-huh. he said people are so overwhelmed, like, oh, my God. So if you're thinking of invest money and property right now, like right away, will be the perfect timing to buy property in Argentina because – after the 10th of December, things will change tremendously. Because well, that's when change. Malay takes office. Why, that, that's a good thing, though. Yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. Is it going exactly. to, mm-hmm. So why would you want to buy property yeah. before that? Because it's so cheap, dirt cheap. Like, oh, my gosh, you can buy a house, not elegant or anything, for 34000 38000 on an apartment. Yeah. 
And there are some properties that you can buy for 5000 but it's not a bad neighborhood, of course. But, yeah, hmm. for thirty-four, $38,000, you can buy a decent little condo. Yeah. So right now is the time to invest if, you, if you're going to buy property in Argentina. Um, and the outside of Venezuela, I mean, Buenos Aires will be a little bit better than in the city. You know, it's too hectic in the city. Uh, that's oh. what he was telling me. North, north of Buenos Aires would be perfect mm-hmm. to invest. I like Mendoza. Mendoza is a very, very nice uh, place to live also. But uh, mm-hmm. the property is a little bit more, I think, over there. <clears throat> but people are you'll excited. Have to, uh, in, uh, you'll have to take us around yeah. South America when, we, when Extra Radio hits the road. We'll go visit some of these places. Yeah. 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 Teach them all how to write legislation. So, <laughs> cool, yeah. So Argentina huh. is in good shape, and uh, a lot of the Spanish countries are cheering for the Argentina because, like Colombia, I've been talking to my girlfriend and some of the other friends I have from Colombia in Venezuela. They're like, they were waiting. Are they going to cheat on this election too? But they re- they did the paper ballot, and they mm-hmm. really had a lot of teams in it, keeping an eye on it for the not to cheat in this election. And I truly believe that Donald Trump has his hand with him. So it's uh, well. I'm sure. I'm sure they're talking because they, they they're similar. I'm sure that Trump yeah. is talking to Bolsonaro in in Brazil also. Mm-hmm. Now in Argentina, mm-hmm. do they do they do the 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 color code? Do they paint your your uh, thumb nail purple or something like that with that indelible ink thing to prove you voted? No, you know how that I works in some countries. So. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't know about that. But they have but paper it's a ballot. Beautiful country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so I travel from uh, I travel mm-hmm. from Chile, which Antofagasta from Antofagasta to Santiago, Chile is like a nine-hour drive, and then wow. we went all the way to Osorno, which it's almost at the end. Uh, you know, Tierra del Fuego is the end of uh, the the little tail of Chile, you know, and then we cross uh, to Argentina, Los Andes. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of driving and beautiful. That's Cape Horn. I mean, scary, scary roads in the mountain. It looks like you're going to fall down there because there's no protection, <laughs> no, no guard, you know. So it's uh, it's a little scary to go in the mountain. So, and, and then it was uh, it was foggy. So and it's it's just scary sometimes to go in the mountains on on and on and on. You know, it looks like you're never going to get off the mountain to get across. You know, Los Andes. Now, so, now that's down by Cape Horn. You've got some of the stormiest weather in the world down there. Uh, was it stormy on land, or was it mostly just over the ocean? Because they got big waves. Cape Horn wrecked a lot of ships. We were not closer to the ocean, no, no. Well, up in the mountains, we were. I'm just wondering if you could see the stormy water. Chile to, yeah. yeah, but it's well, beautiful. They got the best beef. Oh my gosh! Wow. People people go out to eat at 10 o'clock at night, like in Miami we did. But uh, mm-hmm. Argentina, it's a little different. People at 11 o'clock are going to eat dinner, you know. So, yeah. It's, uh, they got the best beef. Oh, they take fiestas, yeah, yeah. I have to See, I love that culture. That. I, I, I do that in Europe and Italy. You know, I, I got into the siesta culture pretty easily because it's hot, right? So when it's hot, uh-huh. you don't do anything. Everybody comes out, you know, at sundown uh-huh. and goes crazy. From like mm-hmm. you know seven till eleven, <laughs> that's pretty normal. Um, uh-huh. 
I'm curious about the other countries, though, because we know the election was stolen in, in Brazil. We know, uh, oh, yeah. but, but a couple, well, I gotta, we got Mark on the line, uh, as always, which is really great. Mark, you got to come join us on Rumble when we move over there. Um, to Wilders, uh, this is a gentleman, Mr. Wilders in, in the Netherlands, who's another libertarian mm-hmm. like Malay in Argentina. And so I'm curious mm-hmm. if these guys are talking to each other. And then you've got the president of uh, El Salvador is also very El Salvador. similar. Mm-hmm. El Salvador. Okay, I'll work on my pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Give me a chance. <laughs> El Salvador. Anyway, yeah. but isn't it interesting that these places, and they all got elected uh, with vote fraud free, or at least a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, uh, elections. So in other words, freedom wins. When freedom is left, the people naturally want freedom. And this is what I find so fascinating, that it, they have to steal the elections to impose communism. But if people have given a yeah. free and fair choice, choose freedom. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. I uh, I uh-huh. believe the election in Brazil was they allowed to be stolen, just like over here. It was a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It agree. was a plan to allow them to steal it. Uh huh. Because a lot of people knew exactly what happened, and over here too. So this is a plan completely. So we'll find out more about it. So we just have to be well, they patient. Well, the same way. Patient, patient. <laughs> These people are so stupid. Mm-hmm. They do. They steal it exactly the same way. Voting machines, mail-in ballots. Yeah. You know, they they stop the counting and hide the results. You know, they they uh, they keep the count going long after the polls close or or take ballots after the polls close. It's all the same stuff. You know, they rig the. We're talking you yesterday know, about the battleground states. Uh, this Democrats and some Republicans are in it too. Of course. They, I think they run out of ideas, like you just said. They keep doing the same stupidity. Uh, and, and there's cameras and everything. And um, mm-hmm. the same thing where they were accusing uh, the judge, Kavanaugh, and Judge Rogers Moore in Alabama Gaston with a high school book and all the raping. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. It's like so stupid. And they were blaming Donald Trump that he raped uh, about eight women and Miss Universe from Colombia. One, I mean, they come up with the same crap. They don't have better ideas. Uh, they keep following the same uh, routine, so you know. Well, they work, unfortunately. Like Kane, he was he yeah. was accused of rape and all this, and it was a lie, all a lie. Mm-hmm. And I think they took him out in the hospital actually, like they did with Dr. Salenko quicker. And, uh, and oh, I don't know about Dr. Salenko. He was really sick to begin with, but I think Anderson Scalia, the Supreme Court judge, had a pillow yeah. put over his face. You know, I mean, that, that, that yeah. looks like, you know, pure and civil murder because he wasn't having any uh, oh, the overtly. Court, yeah, they send him yeah. on a vacation and say, oh, you're under a lot of stress. And yeah. they send him to to a special uh, place to go rest and all that. And uh, it mm-hmm. seems like the uh, gardener mm-hmm. put a pillow over his head and injected his heart and killed him. And that's why yeah. they cremated him quickly. They didn't want no autopsy or nothing. Nope. Yeah, this is Obama well, let me ask you... and, uh, Supreme, Supreme Court Roberts, in it. Oh, Roberts yep. is terrible. Let me ask you about Derek Chauvin, because yep. we haven't talked about it on the show yet. So Derek Chauvin, uh, the person who restrained George Floyd, who did not kill him, because George Floyd died of a drug overdose, uh, got stabbed over the weekend. They withheld treatment mm-hmm. for at least 20 minutes. Uh, they did not help him out. They're trying to kill him, uh, pure and simple. And he's an innocent man. Uh, the the, the uh, uh, Mortish, uh, coroner's report says very, cl- very clearly that Floyd suffered no head or neck injuries at all. He was simply restrained by Derek Chauvin, but that doesn't follow the narrative, so they're, now they're trying to kill him. So he, they're in a, a prison that's notorious for uh, 
for a prisoner of violence. And actually, it's a medium security, which is kind of interesting. If he's a murderer, they usually don't have murderers there, but they know it's medium security, so it's probably more dangerous than maximum security where they watch everything. But I was just curious um, what you might think of this. Did he die? No. No, he survived it. Okay. My opinion on all this, it's all a game. He's okay. not – they're trying to create all this so he can die and all that, but he's alive and he hasn't been uh, been hurt or anything. George Floyd's alive. This guy is being protected by the criminal left, communist, radical Democrats. Uh, my opinion is all a game because they were friends. They worked together in this bar, a security um, yeah, this 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 whole thing was well organized by uh, George Soros, Obama, and the Clintons, the Bidens. Yeah, this whole is, it's a show. Uh, okay, I'm going to disagree with died. you that uh, George Floyd did die because he had enough fentanyl no. in his system uh, that would have killed anybody. <laughs> he had enough fentanyl. His lungs were were three times their normal weight. They're completely filled with fluid. He was foaming at the mouth. He died. Yeah, okay. that's what they he died. But yeah, he had, yeah, yeah. He attended his own funeral. <laughs> no, I yeah. don't believe that. I don't, sorry. I, okay. No. Anyway, yeah. No, it's, it's just you know you cross that line. We, we make sense, and then we cross I know. that line. It thinking, sounds crazy. You know, A lot of stuff does sound crazy. crazy. I know. Yeah. He went to his own funeral, and he had a hoodie on, so nobody would recognize. Okay. Uh, and this is this is. This was reported by a by a teacher, by a school teacher, a black lady. She she was all over uh, Facebook, and she said, "I have the proof." Blah blah blah. But you know, of course, we'll find out the whole thing. It's all a stage, so we'll see what happens. But I wanted to talk this morning about one of the largest undercover human trafficking in Polk County. Is that uh-huh. towards a Winter Haven area? Yeah. What, Polk County? I don't know. Polk I can look County. it up. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Polk so County, Florida. Let's find out. Yeah. More than 200 people are facing charges among them. A local school athletic director <laughs> and a coach. Can you imagine? And a coach and a few Disney employees. I don't trust Disney World. I boycotted Disney World a long time ago because they do a lot of child trafficking in Disney. Uh, it's uh, it's horrible what's happening in Disney, and uh, I hope they they're gonna shut him down. I can hardly wait. So, 35 of the suspects arrested were in the USA illegally. Of course. <laughs> and one of them, and one of the head honcho, uh Maria Guzman, she's one of the child traffickers. And normally, you know, you see men uh, trafficking kids, but Women are in why, why wouldn't you think that women uh, would do it? Women want money too. Women want power too. Yeah. This is, this is actually interesting mm-hmm. because there's a real prejudice. You know, people are idiots. They think that women don't commit crimes. Oh, come on. Now, women get, exactly. fewer, get lower sentences. Women have lower arrest rates and lower conviction rates because there's a prejudice, you know, towards women uh, in court cases. That's, there's an obvious bias. That's been around for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, so that, yeah. that's a huge problem uh, because, oh, there are women. They can't do this, these horrible acts. Of course they can. I mean, how many women have killed their mm-hmm. husbands? You know, or, or boyfriends or girlfriends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens, right? But it was interesting when, um, I remember when the Congress was mostly men and the radical feminists were saying, mm-hmm. if we get more women in Congress, it'll be kinder and gentler mm-hmm. and more nurturing. I said, really? Let's oh, take a yeah. look at the women in Congress. Nancy Pelosi, uh, Rashida Tlaib, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what's her name? Ilhan Omar. Um, Ilhan what's her name Omar, from uh, Massachusetts? Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I'm waiting for this. 
AOC. So where's this kind of when, where's the kind of kinder and gentler women thing? Ain't there? They're criminal. All of those women are well. Criminals. No, but the point is, the point is that there's a perception that women either can't or don't commit the same kind of crimes as men. Yeah, they may not do it in the same numbers, but they certainly do them. So the idea that women would not yeah. be involved in, in sex trafficking—that that'd be the perfect way to get this confidence to the kids, right? So if you're a sex mm-hmm. trafficker, let's let's play let's, let's play devil's advocate here. If you're a sex trafficker and you've got a woman, you know, working with you in your in your uh, um, cabal, what do they call those things? The the cartel. So wouldn't you Bartel. use that woman to gain the trust of the kids more than some ugly of guy? Course. So use the women, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that women are not involved, I bet you there's thousands of women involved in sex trafficking. I'd be surprised if they weren't. Mm-hmm. Wow. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I just thought uh, some people are saying, I don't have evidence of this, but they're saying that Mother Teresa uh, traffics thousands and thousands of children so nah, she made a lot of money for the Vatican and she was a dude instead of a woman so that's what I heard I don't, that so I don't know if it's true well but yeah, you, you know we, I believe it because the Vatican has been trafficking children for years and years and years oh yeah well that's possible mm-hmm. it is well Catholic priests Vatican. don't have a really good record when it comes to young boys especially uh, it's pretty horrible mm-hmm. uh, and so the, the idea that the Vatican uh, was sex trafficking, you know, for the priests is not, that's not beyond the realm of, of uh, believability. However, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. I watch uh, Adam Cota. He's from, uh, uh, I think he's from Holland, one of those countries back there in Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was raped uh, by one of the priests. And uh, I mean, he's still a Catholic. He does his own thing in Las Vegas, you know, at a church. But uh, none of the churches wanted him because he came and spoke out that he was raped by one of the priests. You know, wow. he was 17 or 18, yeah, 18 or something like that. Yeah, and uh, he was crying about it because he said he felt dirty and guilty. He wanted to kill himself uh, because he couldn't believe this is happening to him, you know. But um, he says, when I was fat, nobody wanted to rape me. But when I lost all the weight, that's when I got raped. So, it's crazy. Well, that's weird. <laughs> I know. Huh. He's okay. Marco, Marco asked He's if you said uh, if you said Holland in your last bit. I don't think you did. I'm, you know, unless I missed it. So where the priest was uh-huh. from? Where would you say the priest was from? Uh, no, he got raped in Mexico because he okay. was uh, he was he was staying in Mexico uh, for schooling, and uh, he got <laughs> raped there. And he saw little eleven-year-old little boys coming in and out from one of the head hunches priests there and he complained about it. He said, That's not good what I'm seeing and they're saying, No, you're not you're not supposed to say anything and he's just here because he's poor, he don't have a place to sleep and he's sleeping in the couch over there, but yeah, no good. So well, let's, anyway. let's let's inquire of the Catholic Church a little bit. So what does the Catholic mm-hmm. Church say about Malay and Argentina, for example? Did they take a position? Did they say for or against? Did they say he's he's going to let the poor die? Did, did they take the left wing position? Or what did the Catholic Church do in Argentina? Do you know? You may not know. I'm just asking. Well, I don't know about that, but my opinion is that Malay uh, doesn't like the Pope that well because he said a few things about him that he don't care about the Pope because the Pope is so corrupt and he knows it. But then. 
in order not to offend people. He said, hey, if I have to apologize to the Pope, I will do it, blah, blah, blah. And the Pope called him to congratulate him because he saw that video that he said he's willing to apologize to the Pope. So I don't know what what went on in that conversation when he called him. He was at an interview at the time when the Pope called him to, to but, uh, you know, you have to play the role in order to get in and run the country. But uh, this uh, this Pope... He should he he will be in jail. I know it. Yeah. When people find out the whole thing, all the popes, not just him. And I heard a lot about different uh, 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 priests. There's a I don't know if it's been deleted or not, but in the past a few years back, uh, there's about fifty or more priests that have left the Catholic Church, and they explain why and all this stuff, and uh, very corrupt. Well, that's always going you know? on. They've been doing that since Vatican there, II when uh, about 10, they got rid of the Latin. There's about <laughs> so, 10,000 yeah. children, mm-hmm. illegitimate children, born from popes, from cardinal, from big head hunches in the Vatican, and it's all a secret, you know? So, and even the Well, you pope, know about it. It's not that big a secret. No, but it, it just, yeah. you know, and that that wouldn't surprise me because, well, what kind of religion? Uh, I know Pianki's not had enough religion talk, but I want to go into, into this a little bit more. What kind uh-huh. of religion makes uh, men live a celibate life? That's unnatural. Why yeah. would you do that? Stupid. You don't see these problems in the, the Congregationalists or the Methodists where the, the, the ministers have families. Yeah. You know, they lead a normal life. You're supposed life. to have a family. Yeah, yeah. but, the, but it, it makes no yeah. sense it's, to me. Uh, in fact, that would be the best change that the Catholic Church could do. If they really want to clean up the act there, folks, the best thing the Catholic yeah. Church could do was it would be to get rid of the celibacy nonsense um, and just go, yeah. just have men live as normal, because most of the priests are men. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. married, have families, and, and live a normal life. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think if the Catholic Church will change that, nuns being married and, and priests being married, uh, there shouldn't be not that many rape and all this abuse between nuns because mm-hmm. some of the nuns are like the head honcho, uh, you know, like lesbians, you know. And uh, that's why I left the Catholic Church, hmm. their religion, I should say. When I was uh, 16 years old, I was so disappointed and I hated God. I hated everything because I discovered in a church in Lima, Peru, I was trying to, uh, to kiss with my boyfriend that he was going to be a priest, but he was in love with me. And we were trying to hide to kiss, and he was staying at the church, you know, as a student. And we discovered in the basement uh, tons and tons of baby bones uh, thrown, like after the nuns had all the abortions, you know. Wow. Uh, the babies were, the little bones were laying there like a, like a little garden. So did you call the journalists? Did you report this to huh? the police or did you report this to the police or to the media or somebody? Everybody knows about it. Yeah. And they don't and care? Day, everybody knows about it. Yeah. It's normal. Huh. Everybody knows about the bones. No, it's not normal. It's definitely not normal. It's not normal, but they know about it and nobody It may cares. be tolerated, but it's... Yeah. Uh, because you know what? After 46 years, I returned back to to Lima, Peru, and right. Trujillo, where I kind of stayed there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about it to one of my millionaire girlfriends. I said, is, uh, is the bones are still there? Do people know about it? Oh, heck yeah, she goes. She knows about it. Wow. This is 46 years later that I returned to visit the whole family, you know? So it's That's all wild. about corruption. The corruption is, is 
it's crazy. But I want to I want to continue with this uh, child trafficking sure. and the two hundred people being arrested, and one of the women was illegal, and she could be facing thirty years in prison. But you know, a lot of the sheriffs, a lot of the police, a lot of the judges are all involved in this child trafficking because child trafficking is a huge, huge money laundering uh, system in America. Uh, so there's a lot of people uh, that they got caught from Chicago, uh, but they were illegally in this country, many of them. At least, uh, I don't know how many, 30 or something of them were illegally arrested. Some of them are school uh, school teachers. Uh, there's another guy, he's a security at Disney World. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, a lot of the children go missing in Disney World, but you never hear about it. And they have secrets. Oh, wait, 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 wait. If kids go missing in Disney World, wouldn't their parents scream and yell and report to the police and, and call course, the news? But they're from other countries, and nobody know, nobody hears about it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my my yeah, skeptical meter yeah. is going off again. I find this hard to believe that kids would be disappearing no, in Disneyland, they have and nobody would be investigating. That's a, that's a major story for any journalist. That's huge. It is. It is. It's been going on for years and years and years. Uh, they have they have special little like in the toilets in the women's toilet or kids toilet or men I should say they have special little windows little uh, traps that they open and and take the kids down. Yeah. Now I think you've crossed the line years. into I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, okay. So uh, I have yeah. I, you know I have my meter right that says I believe you I don't believe you I don't believe that. It's one. fine. But the yeah. child. No, that's okay. You can report well, it with the Vatican, yeah. with our capital, okay, with uh-huh. our Supreme Court. I mean, they use a lot of children from Haiti. Oprah, Oprah's been going to Africa to steal a lot of the children for adrenochrome, child trafficking, organ. I mean, this thing is big. This thing is so big. Uh-huh. It's, it makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. And uh, this is better than uh, stealing a goal and selling gold. I mean, it, 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 it's big. It's very big. But anyway, so one of the people arrested uh, works for Disney. Uh, there's uh, another one for, from Disney being arrested, too, in that group of 200. Uh, he's a Disney training coordinator. Another one, uh, Disney Marquise, and that's the security, top security there. Um, let me see. And so many were arrested. There were Disney workers. Uh, another one, a custodian. Uh, let me see here. And another one, Zachary Vaughn, uh, at the Swan Hotel. He worked at the hotel. And, you know, I found out through some of the videos that I watched in the past, some mm-hmm. of the big, big hotels. They do have tiny little cameras on your remote control TV. And a lot of parents, they leave the kids in the hotels and they go out for a drink and they get drunk and all that. And then the kids go missing in Europe or any other country or here. But uh, this uh, child trafficking, is it's, it's bad. It's bad. Oh, they, I believe they, it's bad. But and, uh, I want to I wanna yeah. kind of in future shows, I want to move us back to a Latina report. I want to get back to hearing about Mexico, El Salvador, you know, different countries in Central America, Belize, Honduras, Guatemala, you know, well, uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and all this, all the South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I want to, I want to focus more on those. I think we've, uh, you know, we've heard. I mean, 
I mean, child trafficking is bad, but unless you, you know, if you have a specific re- arrest, you know, report or something, you know, big, but it seems like we're always talking about it. I want to kind of get more to uh, more to news. Now, here's something interesting you might know about. Trump was interviewed by uh, uh, Univision. You hear mm-hmm. about that? Univision. Univision. Oh, mm-hmm. Thank you for the pronunciation. Thank you. Okay, so it's El Salvador. Univision. Mm-hmm. Univision. I'll work on my pronunciation. I do impressions of everybody. Yes, I should okay. be able to do this. Yeah. So tell me about that. So I'm curious about, because Trump was interviewed, but it wasn't Jorge Ramos, the, the leftist propaganda. You the know, criminal Jorge yeah. Ramos. Well, tell me about Jorge Ramos. What's, what's did... his background? What, what do you know about him? Oh, he's attached to the belly button of the Clintons. So the Biden. Oh, okay. Sure. Okay. corrupt. Yeah. Well, I believe that. The real Latinos, the, the real Latinos like me, they love America and care for this country, know the dirt about Jorge Ramos. He's so corrupt. Yeah, he gets paid by all these rich people to to hide the truth. Yeah. Well, he wasn't picked for the interview. I didn't. It was somebody else. Who I was did picked. not and see I, the I'm, interview. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I well, let's not, look up now. I, I, I want to know if you know. Uh, I want if you know the person. I haven't seen it either. I, mean, I just heard about it this morning for the first time. But let's find oh, out really? who. Yeah, let's find out who did it. Who did the interview? So it's Univision. I'll get my pronunciation right. Univision. Trump interview. Interview. Because this is big news. Now my my question though is, are they doing that because they're pretty sure that Trump's going to win the election? They want to get good with him now. That's my question. We're not going to have an election. No. Okay. Let me let, let me ask it another way. If we have an election, do you think that Univision <laughs> wants to get? Well, we're going to. So we disagree on that. But hey, if we, better. you know, yeah. uh, so let me ask a Josie a Josie question. So if we have an election, do you think that Univision <laughs> yeah. is trying to get in good with Trump now, knowing full well that he's going to beat the pants off mm. uh, Biden? Which is a scary thought when I think about it. Well, Enrique Acevedo. Arrested, I'm sorry. So, go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biden should be arrested, put in prison at Gitmo. Right. Uh, but I truly believe that that's not Biden. Even Donald Trump said, "Man, that guy looks weird." I don't know if it's him in one of these. No, it's definitely him. He's he just drunk. He's on. He's yeah. on uh, psychological drugs that prop him up, and then he collapses afterwards. No, I think he's he's either a clone or somebody in a mask. Acting, yeah. <laughs> this whole right. thing. Well, let's, let's 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 put that one aside for a little bit here. Here's Univision. Yeah. Trump on Univision. Univision. The former president talked about the Latino vote, foreign policy, and the economy. So obviously, I want to. I want to uh, maybe we'll go over it next week. But this to me is fascinating. All right. And this is former President Donald Trump, favorite uh, the favorite candidate to win the nomination of Republican primaries, spoke with Enrique Acevedo. Do you know him? What was his name? Enrique Acevedo? Mm-hmm. Enrique Acevedo at Mar-a-Lago. No. So Univision, Univision, actually got to go to Mar-a-Lago to speak to Trump directly in his house. That, that's kind of an honor, I would think. So obviously mm-hmm. he thinks enough of, the, of, Uni, of Univision I'm into his house. I don't, think he would, I don't think Jorge Ramos would have been invited in. I just find this interesting. You know, I'm always looking for the, the signs, the code, the, the what's in the background, and why did this happen, and why did it happen now? Well, it's right before primary. I don't think I don't think Donald Trump likes Jorge Ramos like I do. I, I believe don't, that. I, I cannot stand that guy. So, is it possible that Trump would have said, "Yes, I'd love to be on your show, but I don't want to talk to Jorge Ramos. He's a lying pig." Could they have done? Could, could they have done be. that? Yeah. Okay. I would have so said the same thing. Yeah. So I got some of the questions. Let me get to the first question. 
Enrique Acevedo says, Mr. President, thank you so much for talking this time. Talking to you, blah, blah, blah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, okay. If we are less than one year from the election, will you be on the ballot on November 5th? <laughs> and Trump says, well, it looks like, and it looks like we're number one in every poll, and whether we're number one against Biden or whomever is going to be running, and whether it's, God, Trump cannot speak English. I mean, God love him, but he cannot talk clearly. He really can't. Anyway, so the article's right there. So Univision has the transcript of the article. Now uh, look it up. <laughs> well, let me ask you about uh, the, the, the Latino vote or this vote, depending mm-hmm. on what you're talking about. So, so your Latino or Hispanic friends, depending on who we're talking to, what's, what's, the, uh, yeah. what's the scuttlebutt? What's the, what's the word on, on Trump and the Democrats? What's going on? Well, everybody can hardly wait to go vote, but I tell people there's not going to be an election, so you don't have to worry about it. So a lot of okay, my friends so say, what? Putting that so, aside, putting that aside, if there is an election, <laughs> if there is an election, what are your Latino, Latina, Hispanic friends saying about Trump and about the Democrats? For that they matter? love Trump. They love Why? Trump, but there's a couple that say, no, I don't know if I'm going to vote for him because he did this and he was being arrested and all that. I said, it's all a show, sweetie. So I'm talking to one actually right now about it. I said, it's all a show. Donald Trump is in full control. He's in full okay. control of everything. Getting back to the question, <laughs> if there's mm-hmm. an election... What are and why is the change? Because the, the, the Democrats think that all Hispanics and Latinos, I'm not sure the difference, are naturally constituents of the Democrats. They always vote Democrat. They march in lockstep with the Democrats. They all want illegal aliens. It's a bunch of nonsense, right? But just as, as black voters are going much more for Trump because things were better under Trump, right? Oh, Hispanic yeah. voters are going much for Trump for the same reason. Things were better under Trump. I, th- I think they, the they, black- uh, they can't get past their own propaganda. Things, it, it can be as simple as things were better under Trump. Why not vote for them? Black, what do you think? The black community in Chicago and Georgia and many other areas are singing a different tune because they want Donald Trump because they see that a lot of the illegals are coming and taking all their goods uh, instead of them uh, to be and taking care, especially homeless in the street. They're, right. they're housing uh, illegals, and they're giving them money, and they're doing all that, and they're, they're seeing what's going on. They're not they're not like before, oh, I want to vote Democrat. I think a lot of black people will be voting uh, for Trump if mm-hmm. if there's an election. Okay, um, let's assume there's an election. So you just, can just hear a lot me. of people, yeah. Because, humor you know, me. Let's, let's I, wear, I wear a Trump T-shirt, mm-hmm. and uh, black people gave me a dirty look before, or some of the Latino people, but not anymore. They okay, love that's it. Interesting. They that's love interesting. They Do love you see black and... Do you see black and Hispanic people wearing MAGA hats, Trump T-shirts, things like that? I have, yeah, I have. See, I don't know why people assume that that black and Hispanic people don't think (laughs) and and don't have a difference. It's like it's like white people can vote for for Biden or or Trump, and nobody says anything because they don't assume white people will naturally belong to a Mm -hmm. party. Maybe because there are more white people in this country than anything else. But they always assume that black black and Hispanic people vote Democrat because the Democrats want minorities, quote-unquote, to be their natural constituency so they can get more money, more power, more control, and things like that. But uh, no one says, you you never see a group, you know, white voters for Trump or white voters for Biden. Yeah. You don't. Mm -hmm. Because enough white people that uh, obviously they're white white voters for for both of them. The Mm -hmm. percentage of the votes for black and Latino is not as big as the white folks in this country. Well, that's true. What's, What's the Latino population? Do you know? 
because black's about 13%. No, I don't which know. Is too bad. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, black without abortion would be like 23%. Yeah. <laughs> well, and most of the illegals, well, see, the illegals don't count because they, you know, ideally they can't vote, but we don't know. But they oh, know they nothing about the country. They don't speak they're the language. They're going to be driving around. Yeah. Hey, has insurance gone up? And, uh, <laughs> has driver insurance gone up? Because it will. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of accidents in Pensacola. I hear boom all the time now. Oh, really? On Olive and Davis. I mean, there's so many accidents. It's ridiculous. Because a lot of them are driving with uh, driver's license or insurance. They're just driving. Like they don't and, care. and what they are the Pensacola police doing about that? Or the county sheriff? What are they doing about it? Some of the Pensacola police, uh, a lot of times, they release the illegals if they get stopped. Or without a headlight or anything, I have seen it with my own eyes. Okay, but they it's illegal believe. to release illegals. You then become an accessory to uh, to an illegal border corrupt. crossing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's we I've seen it with my own eyes. That. Okay. Yeah. See that, I've that, seen, that I've seen the police re- I've seen the police releasing four guys. No. Yeah, four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody came and drove their car, and they they just let them go. They didn't have license, they didn't have insurance, they didn't have nothing. They would stop uh, Michigan Avenue over there. Uh, and they just let them go. Yeah. And I have evidence. I've seen it with my own eyes. Well, I'll ask Chip Simmons, <laughs> who has been on the show before, about that. Chip Simmons is the uh, the county sheriff uh, in Escambia County where Pensacola is. It's corrupt. Our police is corrupt. They've been told to release illegals, Okay. So not everybody gets stopped. So they let them go. Hey, so-and-so can come and drive the car, and you're free to go. So, See, yeah. this, is where, this is where our asset forfeiture law would make so much sense, because the cops could seize the car. If they're in the country illegally, mm-hmm. they could seize the car, uh, seize any property within the car. So, look, you're in the country illegally. You know, we're going to asset forfeiture. You don't have rights. You know, we're going to take your car. So I don't know where you and then report them to. Uh, well, you can't report them to the to the ICE because the ICE is uh, you know neutered right now. They can't do anything. But they certainly don't have to keep them in Pensacola. See, I would I would have a massive asset forfeiture program. It wouldn't take long if the police started confiscating every car for someone that was in the country illegally. Yeah, but that's, and, and then, but that's and not happening. Their, and you know, well, I know it's not happening, but I'm just saying they would yeah, that word would yeah. spread very quickly. That if Pensacola yeah. started seizing houses and cars of illegals, the illegals would be gone from Pensacola. Same thing here in San Diego. But they won't do and it. This guy was, this guy was bragging that that was the fourth time that he got stopped and released. Did you hear <laughs> it? Like, did you hear you the conversation? Me. Of course I did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah, the number of the police car? I did. Okay, if you get the number of the police car. To be car, honest with you, I should have, I should have taken a picture and I didn't. Okay. Well, if it happens again, let's let's document that. Yeah, let's, uh, I know. Let's present it to uh, Chip Simmons and say, "Hey, it looks like your police officers are letting criminals go." What's what's the story there, dude? They are. They yeah, are. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's I illegal. If you are if they're releasing illegal aliens, yeah, just letting them go, that makes them an accessory to okay. the crime of uh, of aiding and abetting illegal aliens. That's that's a criminal charge. They can charge for that. Our police is so corrupt here in Pensacola. Just like the just like the ones in the border, our uh, border patrol, they're corrupt, cutting the wire so they can come across. They're helping them so they don't drown. I mean, they're doing all this. Those people need to be arrested. 
all of them need to be arrested. Well, what and about talking about the border? Uh, yeah, no, wait, go wait, ahead. Wait. Talk, sure. Talking about the border, I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody was saying the way Donald Trump is going to track all these people besides face four, they inserted little tiny cameras all throughout the whole wall that, that he built. There's little cameras getting face recognition, so everybody coming across. So I was like, wow, that would be cool. So I heard about that, but I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> I'm like, how the Well, it wouldn't be hard to... It wouldn't be hard to track these people. Anybody that shows up, you know, for a welfare payment or a driver's license or any government yeah, service or shows up on the arrest record, you know, the, the, yeah. the, if the record doesn't go before 2020 or 2021, uh-huh. the chances are they came here illegally. If they're, if they're Spanish, Spanish-speaking people, uh-huh. or if they don't speak English, right, and they don't seem to know anything about the United States, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, and you can't trace the records past 2021 or two years ago, then chances are they're one of Biden's illegals. It's not that hard to find yeah. out. You know, you could ask some basic questions. Simple stuff. Yeah. Who's Babe yeah. Ruth? You know who Babe Ruth is? Or if they're younger, you know, pick somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, I mean, you could, you could do a you know, question for an older person. That wouldn't work exactly. Anyway, but you can do that. But it's not hard to find out. This is what the, um, uh, the American uh, army used to do in Germany. That's how they found the German spies. They'd ask some questions that Americans would know that Germans wouldn't know. Because the German spies were, were they addressed as soldiers and they're infiltrating the American army units. And what the, what the Americans did was they were trained to ask questions like, who won the last World Series? Now, I wouldn't know that because I don't watch a lot mm-hmm. of sports. I probably, you know, but I mean, if it was I big news. Either. Yeah, but most Americans yeah. in World War II knew who won the World Series. Most Germans would not. And so what happened was they'd ask mm-hmm. questions that was uniquely American. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, things that every American would know. And that's how they found the German spies. Because <clears throat> they wouldn't know things. Sorry, I still got a bit of a cold here. Bless you, Chico. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine in a couple of days. Yeah. Only, just the last round so, of it. Uh-huh. Talking for three hours doesn't help. <laughs> but, you know, I got yeah, to that's a lot stuff. of talking, man. Well, that's you why I got to hire somebody Brianna. like Bianchi and a few other people to come and Oh, help. yeah, let Bianchi do the yeah. show? Yeah, great. Sorry, Bianchi, just kidding. He Bianchi did it one time. What's that? Didn't he do it one time for you? Uh, I think Pianchi hosted. Well, I, remember back when I had COVID and, and we didn't know what COVID was and I was having yeah. guest hours, letting everybody host an hour because I couldn't talk. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty uh, funny. I, you, did you, yeah. I, I could do that again. I, I wouldn't mind doing that again. It'd be kind of funny yeah. on Rumble. I'll just sit there and laugh. <laughs> so how is this going to work? Well, going to have instead our, of, our phone on a tripod or what? You, you can do a phone because uh, I know phones have cameras. So I'm going to talk to CJ about that um, probably tomorrow because we're going to do a, we're going to rumble episode yeah. Thursday. And so if it works on Thursday, I'll probably do it Friday too. We're just going to go right into it. Uh, don't dress up. Oh, don't you're look fancy. Do, you're going to start on Thursday? This Thursday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Thursday. Yeah. Oh, my god. I can, once I make a decision, I get really impatient to get going. You know me. I'll take months I to know, make a decision. I know. You're like a child. Oh, I'm terrible. Well, no. I mean, once I decide, I go for it. I mean, I just I yeah. made my decision. I looked at all the parameters. I looked at the advantages, disadvantages, checked out the websites, the, the things I could and mm-hmm. couldn't do on Blog Talk and couldn't couldn't do on Rumble. And there's not that much difference, except we're visual. So we're going to get a ton more uh, viewers. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to go much, much bigger. So uh, be prepared to be a public figure. 
you know, so, oh my God. so all that practice we got the last few years, yeah, it's going to be funny, yeah. So that means I cannot be in my 90s, and I have to put my makeup on early. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't worry about the makeup, but the 90 thing might be a bit much. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, oh, I'm okay. surprised Jackie didn't call in on that. No, just, I, I don't care if you wear sweats. I don't care. I mean, just look, you know, comfortable. It's morning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be wearing t-shirts and, uh, you know, sweatshirts in the winter and t-shirts in the summer. I had a bunch of t-shirts for my travel. Mm-hmm. I didn't wear that. I'm not going to dress up. You know, but you I, need I to look you know. good. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I look fabulous. Are you kidding? I mean, I'm not going to be disgusting. I'm not going to look Comb like Comb your Steve hair Anna. nicely. Yeah. Trim those mustaches. Maybe. <laughs> Keep my Colonel Sanders beard. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So you notice that my picture yeah. of the, in the Roman Forum when I was 22, I'm hanging off this statue. I still had a mustache. <laughs> I think you've funny. funny. That, that's a nice haircut, actually. Well, short. You know, when you're traveling around, it's easier yeah, to have short I like, hair. I like short hair. Yeah, I know I like you do. Hair, man. Notice the color was all brown. Mm-hmm. I had brown hair when I was 22. Yeah. I know. Got a little My gray, but that's okay. My poor white, white hair. I said, oh, <gasps> God, I oh no, well, he's old. He's old. He's 66. That's old. I'm, yeah, I'm 64. Just, well, it's <laughs> two not. years older than me. You're old, too. I know. No, I, I know. just I'm turned 65 on the 9th. Wow. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. Happy birthday to so you. Went, Happy birthday to I you. I went to the... I went, oh, thank you. I went to the base to uh, uh, re- renew my ID, so now it's uh, indefinite. And, you know, I was at the Navy base shopping uh, for Black mm-hmm. Friday, right? We usually do that. They have a lot of good deals for military. And my ID expired. I'm like, oh, my God. I can't oh, no. believe it. It's a 45-minute drive from here. I said, so I had to call my husband. I said, honey, you have to come and bail me out because I'm not going to miss all the sales today. So he did. <laughs> so I didn't realize my ID was expired October 31st. Oh, no. Well, it's Cyber Monday. The, I the know. deals are still good. You know, you can, you can do it online. But what you want to do is go to yeah, a store. I, I missed the opportunity, but on Black Friday, you go to a store. And I said, I, Black Friday, I can buy black people? This is great. You know, just, tell, just say, say that to the store clerk and see what happens. Black Friday. I can buy black people. Wow, this would be fun. I mean, just I, I, I would do something like that just to amuse myself. Yeah, you crazy. But yeah. uh, Monday they have a lot of good deals. Yesterday, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's Monday, shopping online, which is too bad because nobody's shopping in the stores anymore. Do you see us that? moving? Do you see us moving to uh, basically a factory online? I think it's going to reduce uh, products because one company is not going to want to carry. 15 varieties of the same thing. They're only going to want to carry one or two. I think, uh, I think next year everything will change. A lot will change. Nothing. It's not because I don't know what's going to happen with Amazon and all these big mm-hmm. child traffic and money laundering companies that they are. Yeah. Well, let's just get back to Amazon. So Amazon was a phenomenon which grew during COVID because nobody could go to stores. Except the big stores. Exactly. That was a but I think it's actually, but in many ways, it's more convenient. See, back in the old days, you and I remember this, before the internet, we had to go to several stores to find something we wanted. Or you could look in catalogs. Yeah. But mail order was a pain. It was, it, was, it, was much, it was easier just to go to two or three stores to find what you're looking for, or at least call them up and see if they had whatever it was you're looking for. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, the stores don't have that much. Have you noticed that? Like, I, I buy musical stuff yeah. occasionally. And so if I want to get Guitar Center stuff, I don't go to the Guitar Center. I go online 
mm-hmm. and see what they have. And then I'll call mm-hmm. the store up and see if they have it because I don't mind making a trip to Pensacola. It'll save me time if I need something right away, like a new pedal or something like that. Yeah, but you but need to just, support your local businesses, so buy whatever you can here, you know? That's well, a lot of times for, yeah, but guitar stuff is not a, a really a local business. It's much more of a national and the, unless there's a local it's pedal a, maker or a local guitar maker. The shopping online is a brainwashing for our generation, new generation. They're brainwashed. Uh, they come and try a scrub. They say, ah, prices or whatever. And they say, so are you going to get that? I said, no, I think I'm going to get it online. Just like that. And they come and use me. And I'm sick and tired of being used as a as a showroom. Come and look and try, take prices, mm-hmm. and then go mm-hmm. shopping. By what well, you should do online. is take your prices off. <clears throat> That's what my husband said. Take your prices off. Yeah. 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 You know what? That's a good idea. Take my prices off. Have a little machine, and let them scan it, like they mm-hmm. do in Walgreens or some. I wouldn't those. even. I wouldn't even have that. I'll, I'll let them come up and talk to you. Yeah, but people are so trained to look at a price. Oh, this is this is before, and now your price is this. You know what I mean? It's sell for this retail for that, and sell for this. You know, so it's it's a mental thing when women are shopping. Oh my God, I I'm gonna go ahead and buy it because thirty percent off, seventy percent off, even if you don't need it. And you know that's that's the thing. The that's prices have to be on. Yeah. Well, here's another thing you could do. Raise all your prices 10%. And then what you say is a 10% discount if you buy it now. And don't go, you know, comparative shopping online. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so I raise all prices. 10% off already. Yeah, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, no, raise all your prices 10% so that you're going back mm-hmm. to where you started. And then say, okay, if you buy it right now, it's a 10% discount. If you come, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know how you do that otherwise. But, uh, it's yeah. A- no. I thanks, wouldn't tell. Thanks, I wouldn't tell prices. Things will go back to normal next next year. I'm hoping and I'm praying. Well, my stomach gets like excited, you know. Mm-hmm. I want it now. I don't want to wait. I, I know they keep telling us be patient, be patient, but I just don't want to wait so long. Oh my God! It's yeah, taking it's forever. These, these people that are but telling you coming. be patient and wait. You know what, Josie? I yeah. hate to tell you again. They're wrong. They're completely no, wrong. Yes, they are. No, anything, anything that Donald Trump has said, he will do, and they will. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying once you cross over into the realm of there's not going to be an election, and that's all this other kind of stuff, and there's nope. a tunnel. Who said there was a tunnel from uh, the Vatican to Israel? Was that you? A, that was that was crazy. Yeah, it's about Someone said, twelve or fifteen hundred miles. No, nah, that's impossible. To other countries. Oh yeah. Nope, nope, oh yeah. Nope. 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 They can't do it. Yes, it is. Is this too much seismic shift and problem? No, it's not. It's not. There's no no 1,500 miles on it. No, there isn't. And Q Q says uh, Israel will be for last. That's why what's happening over there is because it's happening. Yep. So I keep Hmm. forgetting the name of this lady. She used to work for Trump, but she has a lot of information, a lot of information, and I believe her because she's got a clearance, top security clearance, with the UK and with the United States, you used to work oh. with Trump. Uh, Listen, what's her Brandon name? Brandon and Comey and, uh, the, and all these people have top security clearances and they lie through their teeth. You can't, security clearance doesn't guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. 
No, but I'm saying this lady, I believe her what she's saying. She okay. was saying in one of the videos, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, and when I say it's not true or not, it's because I don't know, okay? But I believe mm-hmm. her. She said the National Guard, uh, when uh, when Trump says uh, that we need 200,000 uh, uh, National Guard uh, January 6th to protect us, because we were told that we were going to have about 250. 20,000. Uh, no, no. They said they were going to have about 250 only. That does, that's what they told us, our leader, All right. when we went in the limousine uh, to your January 6th. Who's your leader? Well, one of the lady in charge. Yeah. Of what? Yeah. To go to the, you know, she organized the whole thing. She organized, okay. and her, her and a couple people organized the trip, and we right. were invited by Turning Point USA. Mm-hmm. Oh, to go. well, that's good. Yeah. See, I, I need to make yeah. contact with them, but uh, when you say your leader, I'm always yeah. curious. <laughs> it's like, well, she leader. was leading the group, but she, oh, okay. you know, she, she was an ex-military woman, actually. Yeah. Okay. Right. Very nice. Yeah. Highly she, skeptical. She was big in the Common Core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was big in the Common Core. She had all the information, mm-hmm. all the evidence, and everything to get her on your show a while back. But she, she was so busy. Poor woman. Mm, uh, I know people, people get so busy. We're almost done. We got to get, uh, get moving here. Yeah. So uh, okay, what do you see coming up? Okay, let me tell you. So this, uh-huh. so this lady, she was telling that when Trump ordered the National Guard at that time, and Nancy Pelosi refusing all that, he still went ahead with uh, one million uh, uh, National Guard and sent them all over the world. So they're still in position right now, she said. So I don't know, like I said, if it's true or not. Uh, so... We'll we'll find out. Okay. So anyway, I want to move more mm-hmm. to uh, uh, to to news south of the border, more countries. So let's get into more of the economic things. I'm hoping but you to get can, reports you can only talk so much about the border, you know. You know, not, not the border, but all the, all the news of all these different countries. I mean, I want to have a European reporter. Yeah. I want to have an Asian reporter. I want to have a, an African reporter. I want to have people in different places around the world reporting on different yeah. areas. You're kind of like the model. You're kind of like the first one. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. let's get your plugs in, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, this is Josie uh, reporting for Action Radio, and don't forget to support us. Keep us on the air, and pretty soon on Rumble, so you'll get to see my makeup and dress up a little bit. You're nighty. <laughs> so support us. And um, have a blessed day, and uh, we'll see you next week. At a place called Action Radio. We take there action. you go. Love it. Ciao. Bye. Arrivederci. <laughs> And all those different words. Anyway, so just that. All right, so we'll be right back. I got some contact information, a couple other things to play, and the third hour, which I'm just feeling miserable, so I'm not sure how much of it I'll get through. But well, I'll try. Uh, it'll help if we get some some callers that might be a little more uh, interesting. To talk about these things, but if I have to talk for an hour, it's going to be a long hour. <laughs> okay, talk to you in a bit. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is two one five. 383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. 
please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida. Right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. 
They provide medical efficacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news, we are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Now, I hate when this happens. I'm running out of energy. <laughs> this is not a good situation. Um, so we've got an hour to go. We've got Pianchi on the line still, which is good. Uh, we've got Mark on the Netherlands. I'm curious about uh, President Wilder. Uh, we've got two libertarians. i got an article from Zero Hedge, which will probably pick up maybe tomorrow or Thursday uh, or Friday. Yeah, I think Thursday. We'll see. i got a, I got an hour. I'm going to be rumbling by myself. So I'm going to try a rumble show Thursday, uh, assuming I get enough sleep and recover today. But uh, it should be a lot better tomorrow and a whole lot better Thursday. We'll find out anyway. <laughs> so that's what's going on. But um, but it's going to be uh, interesting to to see these different libertarian leaders around the world because, uh, again, freedom works. People enjoy freedom. They want to be free. And when the governments take away that freedom with, with fraudulent elections and everything else, you know, people scream and yell, but there's only so much they can do because, you know, we have a situation in this country where the government chose the government. They don't care what you think. They don't. They wanted Joe Biden. They wanted a corrupt government to continue. They wanted wars everywhere. They wanted uh, open borders. They wanted all the things that they want to maintain their power. So you look at everything that's happening here, uh, inflation, uh, no energy, you know, green energy, which is green energy comes from carbon, folks. And I'll do a whole show on that sometime. Carbon is the essence of green energy. So if you take out the carbon from carbon dioxide or, or, or carbon net zero, you take out the carbon, you take out the energy. Carbohydrates are carbon. The things that you eat for energy, hydrocarbons that make our fuels, oil, coal, natural gas, are made of carbon. We are made of carbon. And so plants are made of carbon. Animals are made of carbon. You know, carbon is, is, is what makes organic chemicals. That's what the difference between an organic chemical and an inorganic chemical is the carbon. So carbon is the building block of life. Without carbon, there is no life. So the idea that we can take carbon out of the air and somehow make our lives better is insane. It's irrational. That's like saying the less food you eat, the better off you're going to be. So no food would be perfect. No, you starve to death. Well, no, that's not quite true. That's, that's right-wing propaganda. <laughs> but that's kind of what the argument would be, right? If, if food were treated like carbon, you know, that's exactly what they say. Well, food is bad for you. Stop eating food. We have to go to net, net zero. You know, food zero. We're going to go to food zero. Who's going to eat food? It's bad for you. It makes you fat. There's all kinds of horrible things. So if you just don't eat any food, you'll be fine. And you'll be dead in six weeks. <laughs> you know, whatever, or however long it takes. 
But that'd be the argument. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I should hit the mute button. All right. So something happened uh, a week ago, Monday, when Dorothy uh, Diana was on. And she does the Sex and Sensuality Report. And she was talking about this NASA study. And I found this absolutely fascinating. I want to talk a little bit about it with Brianna. And I want to get into it more now. Uh, Marco disagrees, saying that it's impossible for 98 other kids to test at the genius level. I don't think so. I want to read the test. I want to know the questions they asked. Uh, now, did they scale it down for five-year-olds? I don't know. I want to get the test. But the, what, they, what they're reporting is that uh, when, they, when the NASA tested 1,600 kids, uh, 98% of them at five were at the genius level for creativity, uh, imagination, problem-solving, things like that. And by the time they'd gotten through school, only 2% were geniuses. <coughs> Sorry, i got to mute myself for a second here. I'll be right back. It's actually good that I have a cough, you know, because before it's just awful, but uh, cough means everything's clearing up. So I'll get coded up soon. Anyway, so I read one article last week and do another one. I got a few of them on. I'll kind of go through just the top parts of today. This is NASA's study on children, how traditional schooling reduces creative spark. And my question is, as you go through this, is knowing that schools take 98% of kids at the genius level, and by the time they get through school, only 2% are geniuses, why do we have government schools? I mean, to me, that's irrational. The school itself is the problem. You don't make the schools better. You know, I, I suppose you could a little bit, but you're still going to have the basic problem that they're indoctrination centers, that they take away um, learning because they stifle all creativity. They combine creativity with criticism and criticism wins. In other words, don't be creative. And I know this. I know this for a fact because when I was in school, a lot of times in high school and even in college, we get a choice. You can write an opinion piece or you can go look up sources and uh, you know, do a um, so, reporting piece. I always do opinion piece. What's the genius level? Um, oh, there's Pianchi. Okay, I should turn up my volume a little bit. I'm sorry. The genius level of five-year-olds is 98%. The genius level of 18-year-olds is 2%. Measuring what? Well, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm trying to think. Measure, well, let me go through this, this yeah. study here. I'm going to go through a couple articles here, and we can read. We got the arrow. Let's, let's reason this out. Uh, anyway, so but th- that's what I found. Is that it's you kind of surprised me when you came back on. <laughs> I was like, oh, Pianchi's there. Oh, this is a surprise. Um, but they have this, this, uh, this NASA study which measured creativity, problem solving. It was designed originally for applicants to NASA. So you're talking about either entering college or, or exiting college. That's what the test was designed for. I'm trying to get the actual questions. If I can, I'm going to ask Brianna to see if she can find them too. I want to go over the actual questions and see how they determined it myself. But it says, this is one article from Nucleus AI. Uh, called Breaking Boundaries, and the article author is, it doesn't say, uh, Friday, October 20th, 2023, so just a little bit ago. Uh, NASA study on children, how traditional schooling reduces creative spark. George Land's eye-opening findings in a study commissioned by NASA highlight a concerning decline in creative genius from childhood to adulthood. The traditional educational setup emerges as a potential culprit, sparking discussions on fostering divergent thinking to revive innate creativity. So as you go through this, you'll find this theme of divergent versus convergent thinking. I don't, th- I don't label it convergent. I actually label it uh, conditioned thinking. Because if, you, if it changes in school, then school's conditioned. Uh, it's not educated. They're not, in, they're not enhancing your creativity. They're actually stifling it. So the article says, this is the, one of the five that I've got up here. In the late 1960s, NASA was keen on hiring innovative minds. Well, yeah, 1960s is when they landed on the moon. Contrary to some people's beliefs, we did land on the moon. God, I hate this. Anyway, 
To achieve this, the article says, they sought to understand the nature of creative genius and commissioned a study led by George Land. Now, I don't know if that's the same Land that made the Land camera. Do you remember Polaroid Land camera, Pianchi? I mean, is that the same George Land? Hello, hello. Pianchi's busy. Oh, I'm not on mute, so I must be hearing me. I don't know. I remember the Polaroid camera, yes. Was, uh, it was called the Polaroid the Land camera. Because one of the engineers was yeah. named Land. Right, okay. I, I wonder if this is the same Land. It would make sense being in the 60s, right? Because that's when Land, the Polaroid Land camera was big in the 60s. I remember my father had one. And you, stepped, you took a picture and you ripped off the back and you, you, you pulled it off after it developed. And then they had the XR70, which, had the, uh, which developed without the need to peel anything off the back. It's really quite fascinating. Well, the, Polar thing is, this, uh, mm-hmm. the thing is, in this article that you're reading, you got a buzzword there called genius. Einstein couldn't drive a car. Creative. So now, now, all right, let's talk about the difference between a skill and genius. Driving yeah. is a skill. Yeah, but what was he, what was he creative in? Uh, mathematics, something I know nothing about. Good question. All right. No, it's, it's a good point. I mean, this is why I say I really want to get the test because I don't think we can evaluate this properly until we see what questions they're asking. But I've got a, I got a revelation for you by the third article. So I want to um, give you a couple of these. And feel free to stop me because this, this is complex stuff. He says, to achieve this, in other words, uh, the, the test, uh, they sought to understand the nature of creative genius and commissioners. Okay, I read that. The focus was on young children aged three to five as they embarked on a journey to decipher creativity. A group of 1,600 kids enrolled in a Head Start program, that's interesting in itself, were subjected to a creativity test initially crafted for NASA NASA recruits. The results were startling. 98% of these youngsters were labeled as creative geniuses. However, a follow-up revealed a a concerning trend. The genius tag dropped to 30% by age 10. This is 98 to 30. Uh, five years of indoctrination, and they're, they're down to, you know, less, to a third of what they were, less than a third. And this is further down to 12% at age 15. When compared to adults, only a dismal 2% maintain this level of creative genius. Well, the only thing is I can see is the schools, the schools being the major impact in kids' lives. Because under their parents, they were creative geniuses until age five. And they say most learning takes place by the time you're, what, four or a lot of your learning. So these kids were learning from their parents to be creative genius, but once they got to school, they basically became automatons. That's what it looks like. Comment, and then I'll go on. I think it's bogus. Okay, that's fine. Marco does too. Then the article says, George Land didn't stop there. He took on a TEDx Tucson stage to share his feelings. He identified two forms of thinking, divergent, linked to imagination and new ideas, and convergent, related to judgment and evaluation. Yeah, we can debate the numbers, but I'll, I have a theory, and I'll tell you, uh, I talked about a little bit about it in terms of creative, uh, critical thinking with Brianna, but I want to kind of uh, expose it more. So two forms of thinking, divergent, linked to imagination and new ideas, and convergent, related to judgment and evaluation. Land noted a troubling scenario in the educational realm. Both thinking forms were being forced to coexist leading to a cognitive clash that suppressed creativity. In other words, uh, convergence won over divergence. Remember the movie Divergent? Did you ever see that? Divergence? Shailene Watley? I thought it was Deliverance. I thought it was Deliverance. Uh, Deliverance, that's a different film. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a person can't really critically think unless they have all the parameters. 
that's involved in what it is that they're studying. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. So it depends what you mean by critically think thinking. What it would be to be upside down if you ain't never been upside down. Well, that's true. But what I think the difference is, and I, I remember reading about this uh, way back when, that when the left, when the educators, when they talk about critical thinking, they're not talking about the skills that you need, which are critical for you to think properly or think well. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the ability to be critical of everything, how to think so that you're critical of everything, including yourself. It's a very different emphasis. They say critical thinking skills, but they're really not trying to make you think better. In other words, more critically, they're trying to get you to think Critically, in other words, criticize everything, family, God, country, that kind of stuff. And it's a very key difference. And most people don't know it because they haven't read the stuff. But that's what the left is talking about. It makes perfect sense. They don't want you questioning. They don't want you thinking independently. They want you being critical of yourself so that you don't fit in, so that you doubt yourself. So maybe you're transgender. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're ADHD. Maybe you're something else. But they make it so that you can't fit in. You have to question yourself, your parents, you know, God, country, and family. And that, so they teach you how to be critical of everything rather than skills that are important, let's say that, for you to, to be able to think well. Huge difference. Well, you can't, take a young, you can't take a young child and stop them with the introduction of one thing. A child exploration should be broad and long mm-hmm. until you Agreed. finally settle in on what they have inept abilities to do. Mm-hmm. They do that in sports. Yeah, sports is interesting. Sports, you actually get to be either individual or team or both. Remember that scene in, uh, uh, what was the, the, uh, the Untouchables? Robert De Niro, before he whacks the guy with the baseball bat, says, uh, baseball. <laughs> what gets my attention? Baseball. Man stands at the plate alone. That is the time for individual action. Man stands in the field. He is part of a team. <laughs> he, then he says, I get nowhere unless the team wins. And it, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, they, they, they condition you for the team. How I got onto that subject. I must be uh, getting a little delusional. Today. <laughs> the mind's not quite functioning at a normal rate. Anyway, let's get back to this here. So, but the, but let's talk about the idea of, of divergent versus convergent thinking. What he says, and I don't agree. He's, he argues that the educational model promoting simultaneous divergent and convergent thinking was a major culprit in the decline of creative genius in children uh, transition through school, or as children transition through school. So divergent is creative, convergent is judgmental. And I don't think they're trying to force them together. I think they're trying to suppress the divergent in favor of the convergent, in favor of the... Uh, uh, you know, that's why they teach you to, uh, you know, recite what you learn in class. Uh, they teach you to, you know, regurgitate everything you learned on the test. That's convergent thinking. You know, we say you do. We, we state you, you, you say it back. That's convergent. Whereas divergent would be making up new answers. That's what I used to do. Let me get another paragraph here. Says, well, study. you want to, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. if you want to control politics, you've got to teach young people. What controls politics? And that's the basic foundation of the country. Like, you got to write your laws. Most people don't mm-hmm. know nothing about that because they haven't been taught. They, haven't been, they, have, they don't know the basis by which they can do that. And those mm-hmm. basic things aren't never taught. 
Well, that's why we need a, a huge Rumble channel with, with multi-million listeners. I mean, I'm serious about that. You know, we need, a, we need an international show with millions of listeners. Once we get to that level, believe me, everybody will know. And then I'll be a big fat target. And then I'm going to go live in uh, some obscure place. Broadcast a show from Bali or something like that. Because, <laughs> you know, because the powers that be are not going to want me teaching everybody around the world what it is that we're going to be teaching everybody around the world. So let's get back to this because it is, uh, it's worth, like I say, I agree and I disagree in certain parts of it, as you do too, so it's interesting. He says, land study, dubbed as one of the longest experiments in history, well, that's interesting, portrayed a glaring issue. The traditional education setup seemed to be stifling the natural creative prowess of children, morphing them into less creative adults. Well, that's absolutely true. This longitudinal exploration, I think it's longitudinal, by Land and his team revealed a pressing need to call for an educational overhaul to nurture rather than suppress the inherent creativity within individuals. Well, schools do exactly the opposite, which is why I'm saying that the, under the current model, there's no reason for them to exist. He says, Land's narrative uh, hints at a potential goldmine of creativity waiting to be tapped. Because society doesn't want creative people. They want automatons. They want robots. They want... You know, another brick in the wall, as Brianna said. They want you to, a cog in the wheel. They don't want you to stand out or be individual. Schools designed, designed to do exactly the opposite. Right? Then he says, if only the educational paradigms are shifted to favor divergent thinking. His work remains a seminal discourse. Okay, that was a plus stuff. Okay, fine. Anyway, so that's the basic thing, convergent versus divergent. I, see, I, don't, I don't agree with it. That doesn't make sense to me. It's not that one and the other have to exist in the same place. That they both that they cannot exist together. You either have one or the other. It's not that they're forcing them together. It's just that one completely suppresses the other. You either think convergently, in other words, critically, of everything, or you think divergently, creatively. They're, they're not they're not compatible. Pianki. Well, if you look at what NASA needs in order to operate. To a lesser extent, they need pilots. Then to a greater extent, you need people that's in different areas to do experiments in space or be able to carry on mm-hmm. sustainability if you were to be on a planet in a dome trying to sustain life, which I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Well, no, but hopefully uh, we'll start going back into space. You know, you don't go. It's interesting. You, you don't, except for Kennedy, you don't go into space during Democrat administrations. They're too busy, you know, sharing our wealth. But during Republican administrations, you know, you, except Kennedy, you know, I mean, Reagan revived the space program, although it had problems because he didn't do it properly. Uh, I don't know. Trump, I think, got things going. And now they're private. It's interesting. You talk about private versus public. It's the, the private space companies like Elon Musk's are doing a lot better than NASA. Excuse me. All right, here's another one. Ideapod. We are born creative geniuses, and the education system dumbs us down, according to NASA scientists. So here's a little different take. This is by Coert Engels, C-O-E-R-T, Engels. This is from six years ago. So a little, little back perspective here. It says, our natural creative genius is stifled from the time we are born. As Ted X. Tucson, Dr. George Land, dropped a bombshell when he told his audience about the shocking result of a creativity test developed by NASA, da 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 NASA had contacted... Uh, Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman to develop a highly specialized test to give them the means to have effectively measure the potential of NASA's rocket scientists and engineers. Well, that's creative, right? Rocket scientists and engineers. I mean, the physics is, is not so much because you, you know the laws of physics, the equations, 
that kind of stuff. But you have to visualize it to create a rocket. You have to create a propulsion system. You, you, that's creative, right? Right. Right. The propulsion system is more beneficial for future future than rockets. Rockets is, is just impractical almost. Yeah, they could be too much fuel. They're, they're a total waste. We need like an ion drive or a magnetic drive or a gravitational drive or something like that. We need something we haven't even thought of yet. If we're going to propel our spacecraft. Yeah, you need to have anti-gravity. Well, how does that work? I'm not, I'm not familiar with anti-gravity. Well, you're going to have to have something that that repulses the gravitational effect of large bodies. Oh, that's interesting. So if we use the, the, the opposite of anti-gravity effect, uh, I think it's an anti-matter for a second. That's something completely different. But if you can use, if you can, or just reverse the polarization, I mean, that's how trains work, right? Have you ever seen a, a, a magnetic train? Yeah. It hovers, it hovers over the track. They, they can switch the polarity. I don't know if they switch the track of the train. I think they switch the train. So they take the, the polarity. So if the track, say, let's say the track is all positive. And the train, if they make the train magnets negative, then the train's going to rise, right? It's going to sit on the track. It's going to sit on a a little cushion of air six inches above the track, right? Now, if you take the first, or make a negative and negative. What's that? Like polarity repulse, unlike polarity is attract. Okay, sorry. So so if the train's positive and the track is positive, the train's going to hover, right? Right. So if you take the first magnet in the train and make it negative, the train's going to be attracted to go forward, right? If you make the next magnet negative. And I don't know how they do it, but if you set up a series of transitions where there's a wave action down the train of reversing the polarity, you can propel that train at ridiculously high speeds because there's no limit. There's no friction, right? You go 200, 300, probably 500 miles an hour. Easy. Well, you depending how fast friction in the air. Well, yeah, yeah, I got drag. That's different. Honestly, but friction would be touching the track. But there's, but there's air, there's air, there's drag because it is going through the air. So I'm not sure how. That'd be an interesting study if you want to do a little uh, chat on this. Then you got to worry about breaking. <laughs> well, that's that would be the magnets again. In other words, you, you switch the polarity so that the magnets have a breaking effect rather than a uh, an attractive effect. I'm not sure how it works, but I mean well, that's that how they do be. it. Yeah. Hmm? And see, here's the thing, too. A young Mm -hmm. child should have the benefits of the garage where they can have all sorts of experiments that they can indulge in. Give them wood. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Old scrap wires to make, you know, magnetic this, magnetic that. Mm -hmm. So that's the way you go about exploring the curiosities and developing the innovative skills in a child. Let them build something that's amusing and also beneficial. Yeah, I remember my father tried me to get, get me interested in a crystal radio set. It's kind of ironic. There you when go. I'm, when I'm doing. No, I never really did that. I was much more of a writer when I was a kid. I, mean, I love writing mm-hmm. uh, until I went to school. <laughs> you know, And they said, great ideas, but uh, see for structure and, gr- and grammar and things like that. So, uh, you know, in the books I read, to read them, I read voraciously when I was like uh, five, six, seven, and eight. But by the time I got to school, like nine, ten, and they started giving me all these textbooks and boring books to read, I stopped reading for years. Stopped reading. I still don't read books. Well, we learn more through comic books than anything else. That's really interesting. Do you remember when I was talking to Brianna about 
And of course, she didn't, I knew she wouldn't know this, but when she's talking about the Wayback Machine for historic websites, you remember Wayback, Wayback Machine? Machines? Do you remember the Wayback Machine? Peabody and Sherman? No, I don't. What did they do? Did you watch Rocky and Bullwinkle when you were a kid? Oh, that was cartoons. Peabody here. Sherman, set the Wayback Machine. Rocky and Bullwinkle and Natasha. Natasha was... Bonnie, Boris, Natasha, darling. Yes, Boris and Natasha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the characters, they had, they had Fractured Fairy Tales. It was actually an adult show because if you watch it as an adult, the jokes were hysterical. But you could also watch it as a kid. And it, was, it was on two different, very distinctly different levels. Parents could watch it with their kids because the, adult, the jokes were hysterical. What's the matter, you? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's funny. Kids didn't know. This is some place called Frostbite Falls, Minnesota. Frostbite Falls. I mean, this is funny stuff, right? So whoever, the creative genius is behind Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was political commentary because they, went, they did events in history. And Sherman would set the Wayback Machine. They'd go back, and then they'd come back to present day. But that's where the Wayback Machine comes from. Most people don't know. You've got to know references. People don't know references. It's really funny. You've got to keep up with the culture. Although I don't find much to keep up with these days, but that's just me. Let me get back to my article. Yeah, go ahead, Pianki. Yeah, the society is going to have to make up its mind on what direction its young people are going to go in. In order to prepare for the scientific challenges that this country is going to, and the world really is going to face, you have to start preparing. Something's got to be cut out, whether it's sports, entertainment, something has to be cut out. You only have 24 no, hours a day. I you don't think so? No, I don't. Because, you know, the uh, – uh, the, the minute you start stifling, the, the scientific people will graduate toward, g- gravitate towards science. The sports people will gravitate towards sports. I think it's the worst thing to do is to try and channel because that's what they did. That's how societies have worked for you know, thousands of years. You do what your father did. <laughs> so if, you're, if your father was a blacksmith, you might hate being a blacksmith. You might be a terrible blacksmith. You might be a good artist. Oh, your father was a blacksmith. You're going to be a blacksmith. That's how it works. So this, uh, this hierarchy, this, uh, this, aristocrat, this class system was really terrible. Well, it depends on what you need. You're going to have to have science mind young people for the future. Well, I think they'll do it anyway. I think we spend, you know, I think they spend too much. Myself, now, of course, my child is spending, I balance sports with academics. Mm -hmm. Well, sports in a way is academic. I mean, it's not not book learning, but it's definitely, uh, I mean, we really should combine the physical with the mental. I think they work together very well. Anyway, let me turn on some more things, more of this stuff here. They developed a highly specialized test to measure the creative potential. Since the test turned out to be very successful for NASA's purposes, but the scientists were left with a few questions. Where does creativity come from? Are some people born with it, or is it learned? Or does it come from our experience? The scientists then gave the test to 1,600 kids between four and five. What they found shocked them. This is a test that looks at the ability to come up with new, different, and innovative ideas as problems. What percentage of those children do you think? All right, there we go. So it gives the 98% at first. But if you're five years old, if you're not limited by culture, if you haven't been uh, you know, drowned by, uh, um, by, the, 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 by the school saying, don't think this way, that's not a good idea, grades, all that kind of stuff. If you're free to think as you want when you're at five before you go to school, of course they're creative. They've never been taught that, that their answers are wrong or stupid. They might be proven wrong through debate and things like that, but it's not personal. 
Whereas later on in school, they won't even propose those ideas because they don't want to be judged wrong. And that's the difference. Well, what NASA forgets is that the possibilities of innovations are very, very small today compared to what they were 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know, uh, someone looked at a woman grinding uh, corn with a stone on a flat on a flat surface. So what did they do? They harnessed water, a water wheel, mm-hmm. and yep. connected the stone to it, a round stone that would, uh, you know, grind the corn. Or they, in some cases, they hooked up a horse, a, a, a ox. Mm-hmm. But well, that's you don't do solutions. that no more. Well, because people only get approved solutions. If it does, it's not online. If the friends don't talk about it, you know, how many times have teachers said in class, "I want, I want really different opinions here." If anybody says what I said, you're going to be downgraded. You got to come up with your own original thoughts. Do you ever hear that in school? I would say never. Well, I it depends anyway. on what the subject matter. You talking about you, you talking about everyday? You talking about political or social? Yes, that would be a question. But if you're trying to develop a better transmission, well, that would be a whole different thing. Hmm. Yeah, I just think school is much more programming. Now, the elite. Remember, we talked about Phillips Exeter Academy. That's going to have much more theoretical. That's going to have much more problem solving because those kids are being trained to be artists. So they're not going to get the rote, you know, direct solutions. They're not going to be indoctrinated. They're actually going to be taught how to think. And that's the big difference is the elite schools, they teach them how to think. The regular schools, they teach them how to, uh, you know, follow orders. All right. Yeah, it depends on what it is that they're looking at. Yeah. Well, and let me go on to more of the articles. And, and for those who question the consistency of those, these results, that would be you, or think they may be isolated instances, that's also you, <laughs> these, these results have actually been replicated more than a million times, reports Gavin Nascimento, whose article first alerted me to this amazing study and its shocking implication, that the school system, our education, robs us of our creative genius. So Nascimento, who I don't know who that is yet, I will, writes, the reasoning for this is not difficult to apprehend. Apprehend? That's probably the wrong word. School, as we plainly call it, is an institution that has historically been put in place to ultimately serve the wants of the ruling class, not the common people. <laughs> this is going to get more fun. He says, in order for the so-called elite to maintain their lavish lifestyles of overt luxury, where they contribute the least but enjoy the most, they understand that children must be dumbed down and brainwashed to accept and even serve the rapacious system of artificial scarcity, unending exploitation, and incessant war. That's definitely a leftist interpretation, but I find some of it interesting. What do you think? Do you think it's a class system? Well, you know, Steve Jobs, who was adopted, his father was an auto mechanic. Hmm. And he used to hang out at the shop, but he didn't want to be no auto mechanic. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, the Wright brothers were bicycle mechanics, but they wanted to fly airplanes. <laughs> so, you know, they did the bike to, to maintain an income, and then they flew airplanes. Um, this is going to get more interesting. Yeah, so here. they came along at a time when the, the, practical, the practicality of performing what they'd done based on their observation of nature, but mm-hmm. uh, those emphasis emphasis levels of possibilities just not – 
as great as they were then. It's a little bit more technical and a little bit more intricate. It's what you're trying to do. We're not trying to build cars. We're trying to fly in the air like the Jetsons did. Well, that requires a young person and anybody else to be exposed to the components that take that that uh, make it possible for that to be done. Well, it's interesting. Somebody had to take a drone, a four-propeller, little tiny drone, put eight big propellers on it, and ride on it. That's creative. Now, I never yeah, thought for a second that these drones would be big enough and powerful enough to carry a person, but apparently they do now. Yeah, they do. And that's not going to be the ideal way to do it because it's dangerous. Yeah, because people don't know how to fly. And besides, those things don't glide very well. When the power runs out, people are irresponsible. They they just come right down. Yeah. Right down. Like you know, they, should have a, they should have a, a, a switch where at 10% battery power, they automatically land wherever you are and bring you down smoothly. When your battery gets to 10%, automatic landing. Now, let's get back to this article here. It says, what now? Can we recuperate our creativity? Land says we have the ability to be at 98% if we want to. Well, this, is really good. This, is, this is interesting for me. He said, what they found from the studies with children and from, uh, and from brains work, there are two kinds of thinking that take place in the brain. Both, and this is what I found interesting, too. This is, this is different from the other articles. This is both use different parts of the brain. And it's a, it's a totally different kind of paradigm in the sense of how it forms something in our minds. So now I'm curious. It says one is called divergent. We talked about that. That's imagination used for generating new possibilities. The other is called convergent. That's when you're making a judgment. In other words, critical thinking, right? You're making a decision. You're testing something. You're criticizing. You're evaluating. Now, the word criticizing is what originally started me on this path, that critical thinking does not mean skills that are critical for you to think. It means how you can be more critical of you and everything else. That's what education does. Anyway, then it says, so divergent thinking works like an accelerator, and convergent thinking puts a brake on our best efforts. So they're not compatible that way. Standing on the brake and the accelerator doesn't work. Then it says, we found that what happens to these children, as we educate them, we teach them to do both kinds of thinking at the same time. See, that I, I disagree with. I don't think they do that. I think they replace divergent with conscious. I think kids naturally think creatively because there's no restrictions on them. But the more they're in school, the more they're conditioned to think convergently uh, so, they don't, so they're not criticized and people don't make judgments against them. You can't judge me. What do you think? And then I'll go on. Well, when they had technical high schools, you had all different paradigms in there, from auto mechanic, aero mechanic, mm-hmm. pre-med. But how creative are those? How, how, how creative is auto mechanic? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, auto design is creative. Well, let me. I used to explain this to students when I was teaching flying. You know, and I, I said designing an airplane is a science. Flying an airplane is an art. Oh, gee, Greg, what are you talking about? Well... If you design an airplane, a certain amount of wing area, a certain shape of wing, a certain power to, to uh, weight ratio, you know, a certain uh, you know, amount of uh, engine size will get you a certain amount of uh, thrust, a climb, and various parameters, you know, glide and everything else. That's science. Those Reynolds numbers, I don't always remember that, all right? So if you have a glider wing versus a supersonic wing, different shape wings, then they know this. They already know what kind of wing is going to give you what kind of performance. It's already known. Science. Picking the right wing for your airplane. Flying it is an art because there's a million variables when you fly an airplane. Every wind change, every uh, uh, pressure change, every everything change, the people on board, the, the temperature, humidity, the airport, the runway length, 
There's a million variables in landing an airplane. That's why a human being has to do it. Well, they can auto land now too. But uh, well, yeah, a human being can't fly no B two. Well, that, that's because they fall out of the sky because there's too many there's too many decisions for a human being to make. Yeah, that's human being. But, but the point is, yeah. But my point is that flying an airplane is an art; designing it is a science, and that's the difference. So, in the same way, creative thinking versus critical thinking—you know, the total opposites—you cannot combine them. You know, you you know, you can't make flying an airplane science. It's really an art; you have to learn it, and you have to practice it. And it's like medicine. Medicine's a, not a medicine's an art, not a science. Yeah, but a designer Research has to get input from a, a designer has to get input from a test pilot. Well, of course, yeah. But 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 how creative is a test pilot? Now, if a test pilot's creating their own test, that's different. Now you're in the creative world. You know, if, if so, if the test calls for a flight to fifty thousand feet, test pilot says, "I really want to go to 60. No, you can't do that. The test says fifty thousand. Eh, hang on, let me try it. Up they go. That's creative. Yeah, but also yeah, might get fired. But anyway, but yeah, the change the test. Designers can do things with numbers and that that's not applicable in real life unless you have the input from a test pilot and say that this speed at this angle yeah. starts shuddering almost shook me to death. <laughs> yeah, but so, you're getting away from the premise. The, the premise is divergent versus convergent thinking. Imagination versus judgment. That's the difference. That's a, and what they're saying, what this guy, George Land, says is that Schools try to force judgment and imagination at the same time. And I'm saying that's wrong. I'm saying that they replace imagination with judgment. Otherwise, you wouldn't lose your creativity. So he actually violates his own thesis when he says that our geniuses go from 98% to 2%. And yet schools force kids to think the same. If they thought the same, they'd probably come out at 50%. Half imagination, half judgment. But they don't. Anyway. Let me see if I can find yeah, something. I don't know what they come up with the terminology. You no. know, there's the indicator in doing stocks. It's called MACD. It's based on convergence and divergence. Well, those are probably mathematical formulas. We're talking about uh, intellects. We're talking about brain theories of learning here. That's what we're talking about. So it's going to be different than the stock market ones. Let me, let me uh, read on here. It gets interesting. It says, we found, it's back to the article, that what happens to these children as we educate them, <laughs> that's a misnomer, we teach them to do both kinds of thinking at the same time. And that's what I disagree with. Then he says, when someone asks you to come up with new ideas as you come up with them, what you are mostly learn at school is to immediately uh, look and see. We tried that before. That's a dumb idea. It won't work and so forth. This is the point and this is what we must stop doing. So that's exactly what I heard with Action Radio. Everybody told me that's a dumb idea never going to work. You can't do that. But I, I, was, I was old enough that I knew that uh, that's exactly what I was supposed to hear. That's exactly what, that's the natural reaction for a new idea. Won't work. Can't happen. Just because they didn't think of it and they don't, they don't uh, understand the whole concept. Well, I don't care about that. I'm a divergent thinker. I think creatively. I think with imagination. I don't worry about uh, what people say can't happen. I, I say, you know, look at, our, look at our ad for the show. Action Radio is not about what has happened. It's about what can happen. I'm always looking at the future. So I'm, a, I'm like a complete divergent thinker. How often have I been critical of myself? Unless I totally screw up. This show is not based on, on, uh, on critical judgment. It's based on uh, imagination and creativity. It just is. Hmm. Then he says, 
when we actually look inside the brain, we find that neurons are fighting each other and actually diminishing the power of the brain because we're constantly judging, criticizing, and censoring. So that's interesting. So, so, constant, so the school system actually destroys the brain. That's interesting. So if we, if we operate under fear, with a smaller part of the brain, but when we use creative thinking, the brain just lights up. See, COVID was under fear, right? Let's apply this to COVID. All of the COVID thinking was based on fear. Wear a mask. Don't go out. Stand six feet away. Totally preposterous things. The mask will stop a virus going through. I mean, this is all insanity, right? Don't go shopping. Don't go to church. And those of us that had a little bit of creativity and imagination said, this is nuts. You people are crazy. But those that live on judgment and conforming to our condition, they were all for Better take the jab. Don't want to kill grandma. So COVID is like the perfect metaphor for this. What do you think? So what happened when you take biology out of schools? Well, why would you say that? Well, why would I, I, I never mention taking biology out of the schools? Well, because the students today don't understand biology and how things work when it comes down oh, to Oh, okay. I thought you said I was not getting that. And no, no, no. I mean, biology, I mean, biology, botany, zoology have to be in the schools. You got to know where you came from. You know, I'd love to see the carbon cycle retaught. If, if, we, if the carbon cycle were taught in schools, we wouldn't have this carbon dioxide nonsense. Net zero carbon. That's the net zero life. So then it earth, does. That's yeah. earth science. That's not there neither. Exactly. Well, it's when I was in school. But you can always repeat. I mean, most of what I learned, I did not learn in school. I didn't. The, the fun times I had in school were playing music, hanging out with my friends, making fun of teachers, writing creative papers. That was the fun in school. But it was the class. And some of the class was actually interesting. I had some great discussions with the teachers. Freaked them out, too, on a regular basis. But for the most part, school was a total waste of time for me. Anyway, so the article concludes, what is the solution? It says, we need to find that five-year-old again. Well, I'm here to tell you, folks, that five-year-old never left me. Well, for a little bit in my middle of my life, but he's back. Then it says, that capability that we, ha- that we as a five-year-old possessed never goes away. Is that it's something you exercise every day when you're dreaming. He says, how do you go about finding that five-year-old? Well, I know. That five-year-old is running action right now. <laughs> he just voice. Well, that was the beauty of technical high schools. He didn't get bored. Well, if that's what you want to do. See, now, so that's actually a really good point. So, in other words, if you're studying what you want to study, so there's one thing that's left out of the study. How many people want to have a purely academic education? I would have been much better off with an arts education, learning guitar, um, playing tuba, um, doing, uh, learning how to write music. would have been much better in school for me. Because that's what I like doing, you know, rather than English, math, the usual stuff. So how do we take a, a school system and make it? Well, you got to have you got to have those disciplines. Well, you, I, I agree. You got to have the basics. So at some point in high school, at some point in high school, you should be able to get more creative. So, like, I remember my high school was pretty good in Lexington, Massachusetts. Now, gym in the lower grades is pretty standard: dodgeball, you know, stupid stuff, right? But by a junior year of high school, we, could, we took fencing. <laughs> you know, we could do some different kinds of sports. We had, like, uh, co-ed volleyball. We had fun. And then we didn't, uh, the guys didn't beat the girls' faces like they do in the trans things. But, we, but, but gym was fun. We got creative. Fencing was my favorite because a friend of mine and I, we used to fence off the gymnastics equipment. She should have left the room, right? So we, we'd fence up and down the bleachers like three musketeers. 
<laughs> it was really bad. We didn't care. We had a great time. Anyway, but that was creative, right? So we're reliving three, three Musketeers movies. But, but the thing is, yeah, that you, live, that you learn what you want. Art. Yeah, but you learn what you want to learn. So if a kid wants to be an auto mechanic or an auto designer, and, and actually any auto designer should learn to, to be a mechanic too. You've got to know how these things work. If you're designing parts and you don't know how they fit together and whether the, the, the mechanic can access them, if I had an auto company, I'd make sure everybody who was my auto engineer spent at least a year as a mechanic so they knew what the hell things were and how they fit together and the various problems with the designs. That would be prerequisite. Yeah, before that, you have to, you have to learn simple machines. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Wheel, well, it's like block, and tackle. Yeah. Block and tackle is really interesting. Uh, the physics of how block and tackle works is really is, is quite amazing. But like with my flight students, all my flight students spent at least an hour with mechanics. So we, we took a plane that was going through its 100-hour check, you know, when all the panels are opened up? And the mechanics were really good about that because they wanted the students to know. And they also wanted to know them how to report squawks, which is a mechanical problem, how to report them properly. So I'd spend at least an hour, sometimes more, depending on, on the students and stuff. But if it was a rainy day, we'd go hang out with the uh, mechanics. And we'd go over the whole inside of the airplane. I don't know any other instructor that did that except me. But we used to go over, we'd open up, we see all the inspection panels, we see how the cables work, and you realize those, those cables are not that thick, right? Those wing spars are not that big. You know, these things are pretty flimsy. That engine's not that big. It's kind of interesting, right? But they didn't know that until they actually saw inside the panels. The other thing we did was we went up to uh, the control tower. Always went up to the control tower with my students. They had to know what it was like from the control tower. So, and, I, and the controllers all knew me. So I, I call them up and say, hey, do you, got, you have time for me to bring up a couple students? I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, great. So they go up and they watch the controllers do their job. And it was this huge revelation. Once they see things from the controller's point of view, they make better position reports and better, they deal with the controllers better because they understand what the controller's limitations are. But that's creative, that's creative uh, flight training. I wasn't required to do that, but it made better students because they had a wider exposure, just like a vocational education would be for people that want to do uh, that kind of stuff. Why would you put a bunch of English courses on somebody that wants to uh, you know, build race cars? That doesn't make any sense. Hmm. You still there? I had a friend that uh, built huh? race cars, built rakes. Huh. You know the long ones with the engines in the back? Hmm. I get distracted a second. Say that so again. Kids have to, I said I had a friend that built race cars. Right, I heard that part. Also engineering. Yeah. He built the rakes. So he came up around that happening when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. He had opportunity to grab a hold of things and play around with it and shape it and bend it and beat on it. Mm-hmm. So it, book learning is one thing, but hands-on experience is where you get your most bang for your dollar. Mm-hmm. I wrecked the structure still. I couldn't have went to Harvard or Yale to do that. I yeah. learned it from doing it myself. Well, Harvard and Yale is being, being able to, yeah, it's very specialized. Yeah, education. then I was able to, I was able to, to apply practical education, math, reading, and so on, so on, so on, in order to supplement it, in order to turn it into a business. 
That makes sense. And this is the thing, too. This is why if you read my, uh, it's really long, my, my education article on the model, it takes into a, it actually gives you credit for the totality of your education, internships, jobs, uh, classes that you take, uh, tutorials, uh, all that kind of stuff counts as your education. I think it's a much better system. Anyway, that's why, that's why I wrote about it. So here's an article. This is called The End of Education uh, and the website Medium. And uh, it's from May 2nd, 2020. Gives you the initial blurb, and then it says something interesting. This is the, this is May of wait a minute, May of 2020. This might have been right when the schools closed. Let me see. Yeah, May of 20, May 2020. That's right. That's when the schools they're closing. Uh, I guess March, April. Anyway, it says the COVID pandemic has given all of us parents, educators, a break from traditional ways of thinking about education. But are we really doing that, or are we looking for a mere for mere replacements of the existing system online? If technology merely replicates the traditional offline systems online, it will fail us at an even larger scale. It says the traditional classroom has always focused on convergent thinking, where a teacher gives information, learners absorb it, and then takes some test to confirm that they have retained it. Not to say that all classrooms are ineffective. There are some great teachers who can inspire and break away from the mold. It's not the teacher's fault. It's the way the system is designed to work. That's the root of the problem. Our incessant reliance on instructionalism has failed us. Instructionalism's focus on information rather than human skill development and its tendency to objectify, quantify learning in information-centric data is the sign of its feeble foundation. Well, there's a lot there. What do you think? I agree. You know, the idea that the traditional classroom is always focused on convergent thinking, where a teacher gives information, learners absorb it, and then takes some tests to confirm if they have retained it. That's it. That's a stupid way of, of trying to educate people. It should be able to put it into practical use. Well, what's practical? Well, all right. So, yeah. So, remember the, remember the laws of learning. I talked about that earlier with uh, Brianna. So when, we, when you become a flight instructor, you have to learn the four levels of learning. Rote, uh, understanding, application, and correlation. Rote is what we learn in schools. Here's the information. Give it back to me on a test. That's rote. Understanding. Here's the information. Now write me an essay to show that you understood what I just told you. Application. Write an essay that explains where you're going to use this information and give me some practical examples. Correlation would be Take the information I gave you related to something unrelated, but it still applies. Correlation is the highest level of learning. Well, yeah. right? Now, when they tell you where they're going to use it, they have to mm-hmm. be able to have done that in order to be able to effectively tell you the results. Not necessarily. What if it's a theory? What if they propose a theory? I want to test my theory doing this. A theory then, has to be proven. Well, no, it doesn't. Well, no, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a fact until it's proven. But a theory, you can make a theory about anything. Well, yeah, but in order for it to be accepted by well, no, the like, like evolution. world, it has to be. It has but to take, be. It has to be proven. Right. But take evolution. Ev- evolution's never been proven as a theory, and yet people believe it, and have oh, since 1850. People are evolving all the time. Well, I believe that. But the, the question take, is: Are we evolving into new you species? Take uh, the Jamaican sprinter, Usain Bolt, <clears throat> for his size. 
and his physique, he accomplished things that no one thought could be accomplished being who he was. But that's not what I'm talking about. Evolution says that entirely new species can be created from mutations from old species. And that's never been proven. You can't, you can't show Aaron, me one species yeah. that came from another species where that new species cannot reproduce with the old species. And it's, it's independent. It's genetically independent of all other species. Well, I don't, you know, I, you well, that's know, what evolution they, is. they give some credence about a mule and a, and a, and a horse. I'm saying a horse can't uh, mate with a mule. I don't know. But I've seen some funny things with plants myself. And, uh, in the beef factual, well, no, uh, until something mule, gets to the point of being stressed, uh, see, mm-hmm. things, everything wants to live, even roaches. Roaches are intelligent, and they learn. Right. And so everything wants to live, and in its process, it will adapt and take on a different trait than what it, it once had in order to survive. Let me, uh, no, I agree. Uh, let me uh, finish this, this last little bit of the article. We've got about three minutes left. And then my voice is going to totally fail me. <laughs> the article says every parent wants their children to find their passion. Well, not mine, but that's a different story. Uh, discover their talent and develop skills to succeed in this world. Find the joy of expression and creation while thriving materially. That's why, that's why parents turn out geniuses at five. Because they want the best. They want the, the kids to have passion, discover their talent, develop skills to succeed in the world. That's why the five-year-olds are 98% geniuses, because the parents uh, let them go. <laughs> then it says no one can deny that. Then it says we all discuss how the future is so uncertain and what kind of skills will our children need to thrive. That's the point you were making earlier. So the system focused on information, instruction, and conversion thinking will not take our children there well prepared. Let me say that again. A system focused on information, instruction, and convergent thinking will not take our children there well-prepared. Then it says what they need is an open canvas to throw in their ideas, to paint a picture that may not make sense to us, but will lead them to divergent thoughts and creations that are far beyond our imagination. Information will only help to a certain degree. Imagination, creation, problem-solving, and application, laws of learning right there, okay, will lead them to a future with aplomb. That's a great word. Constructionalism focuses on applied knowledge, generating ideas, solving problems, inventing products, creating worlds that have not been imagined before. Our focus needs a fundamental shift. I should write, I should write them because that's basically what I do. <laughs> you know, well, last little bit here. We want our children to, to retain their creativity and hunger to solve problems in the future like climate change, growing population, pollution, economic crisis, create products and generate ideas that will take the human race further, this is the time to make this shift. So imagine a world where children will be free to wander, work on problems, projects, ideas with their peers, with experts, and find solutions fueled by the curiosity, imagination, and creativity, and become adults without losing these inherent strengths. Where children are creators, makers, inventors, artists, scientists, entrepreneurs, who will change the world rather than pupils sitting in a classroom, offline or online, absorbing information and data like machines and reproducing it to clear tests. Don't you think our children deserve this kind of a world now? I do. Absolutely, I do. Bianchi? That's why Elon Musk does things better than NASA. Those kids came up through those education systems. 
yeah. is how you are able to utilize what you have in hand. And he done a good job at it. What's Elon Musk's education? Well, he was educated in South Africa. Well, that's what I'm curious. Private school? I'm sure. He came from a wealthy family. Not necessarily. You don't have to be. No. Uh, you know, you don't have to become. You don't have to come from a private school to be a, a masterpiece. No, but I'll bet you he did. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll look up Elon Musk's education. Well, under the political anyway. situations at the time, possibility it was. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that uh, <laughs> intelligence has no boundaries. It can be found in the highest of places and also the lowest of places. Yeah. Hey, Pianchi, my voice is giving out. I'm not going to talk till tomorrow if that's possible. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. This is fun. I really am glad to explore this. There will be more topics uh, if you go to our uh, Facebook page, the homeschool page, the the Action Radio Mind Project, and my page. I'm going to put some of these articles on there because these are just fascinating. Uh, this has been fun. It's a good time today, but my voice is really shot. And so I'm going to play our, our Tuesday theme. And I'll uh, see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. And then Thursday, I'm going to try a Rumble episode. We'll see how that looks. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.